rise up, Swindon fans. But you're not there yet. In it goes! Oh, it's gone in! Richard left foot in! What a volley! It's the stuff of champions! It's the stuff of dreams! And Donate races it on goal, and Donate! 3-0! Hello and welcome to a special podcast. It's a dual edition with the Brighton Rock podcast hosted by me, Russell Guyver, and my cohort, Peter Marsh, and also Mr. Josh uh, Goldsmith from Together. Hello, Josh. Hi, Russ. How's it going? Uh, yeah, yeah, welcome, people, to episode 79 of Together, a Brighton Over Albion podcast. I've also brought along our best friend, Robin, uh, from interviewing Wardy, Bruno, Navarro, Crofty. Hey. He, uh, he is also on the line. Hi, guys. Hey, Robin. How's it going? Yeah, all good. Um, yeah, interested to see how this is going to work. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've uh, we're recording this on the occasion of Sunday the 17th of May, which is the day when the football season has ended, although it hasn't. Or maybe it has. We don't know yet. It was supposed to be anyway. Burnley away today. Our kickoff would have been, would it have been 2, 12, something like that? I think. Um, so probably around about now, we'd be knowing our fate if we had survived in the division. Now, we don't know if we'll even need to fight for that. Who knows? But we'll be talking about our season as it has unfolded so far in part two of this podcast. In the first part, we're going to be talking about the current affairs this week, what's been going on. So are you guys all ready to chat and chew over the facts? Ready to go. Oh, absolutely. Always. Excellent. Well, what I was going to say, first of all, just to start in dazzling form here, um, from this day in the past, from the book Brighton of Albion on this day by Dan Tester, Tuesday the 17th of May 1966, police reinforcements were called to the Goldstone to stop youths behind the goal throwing orange peel and whistling during a reserve game against Notts County. I hope we wouldn't have had trouble like that. <laughs> Our times have changed. Yeah, but we've had quite a bit going on this week, haven't we? Um, there's lots of negotiations going on. The Bundesliga has started in Divisions 1 and 2, and um, we've seen Dortmund get off to a flying restart. Um, we've got the possibility of the Premier League coming back. Yet again, the debate goes on and on. And in the meantime, further down the league, we've got League 2 voting to end the season, the highest rank so far in England to do so, and League 1 still in a quandary as to what to do. Um, interesting times. What's your take on, first of all, the League 2 and League 1 situation, Josh? Yeah, League 2 uh, finishing up. I mean, I'm I'm probably in favour of finishing up with points per game um, overall. So that's a spoiler alert for later conversations. Um, <laughs> but I think that, you know, for these teams, they need to they need to decide very quickly because they are, you know, financially at risk the further down you get, right? So the further down the leagues you get, the more money is on the line and kind of existence is on the line and we just lost Barry this year we don't want to lose another 34 clubs so um you know I think that they've made a good decision in their own self-interest and I think that 
however harsh it is, the loss of Berry has kind of helped a little bit with the with the decision they made because they've got one less relegation place to worry about. Yeah. Peter, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I think he probably is the right decision. I think, yeah, playing behind closed doors at that level is just unviable. They don't get any income in. They'd have to play, you know. There was, I was talking to an interview from the Port Vale chairman who, or chairwoman who was talking mm. about the fact they're in eighth, so they're the first team who won't be able to play because it looks like they're going to have playoffs. And she was basically saying that it was a, you know, kind of it was a really hard decision, but overall, for the benefit of the league, they had to agree to it, and they wanted everyone to be unanimous. And I, yeah, fair play to them, to be honest, because obviously they were in with a chance of getting a top seven place if they if it came back to playing again. But yeah, it needs to be finished, and yeah, I agree with Josh. I think it has to be done, and probably play point per game. Yeah. Well, there's already a lot of agreement going on here. Pete and notoriously, you don't usually agree with Josh, so uh, that's got to stop. <laughs> stop to that. Just, just have a contrary argument for the sake of it. Forget a second. Sorry, I think all, all, all 24 clubs should be promoted automatically, <laughs> or 23 clubs, and uh, all teams in League One should drop down to League Two just for a bit of a laugh. <laughs> Robin, what do you think? Agree. Um, I'm on. Yeah, I'm on board with League Two. I think for the same reasons financially. They need to know very quickly what's going to be happening so they can cut their their financial cloth accordingly. I think League One is a, is a bit more of a grey area. Um, I think particularly with the promotion picture because so many clubs are separated by such a few number of points. I think it's, is it second down to seventh or eighth? There's yeah. only three points in it. And yeah, we've got clubs. a game in hand, and if they win their game in hand, they go level with Rotherham, I think, who are second. Yeah, so I mean, I, I think there's, there's that kind of spread between it. So I think that's one element to it. And I think League One as well is a bit more interesting because you've got such a wide array of clubs in terms of stature and financial power. So obviously you've got the, you've got the likes of, I know Ipswich aren't really in the conversation, but you've got Ipswich, Portsmouth, Sunderland who are traditionally very big clubs with big budgets, big crowds, etc. Um, and obviously you've got clubs at the other end of the spectrum, obviously Berry, who are now gone, but, you know, a lot smaller clubs who are probably quite comfortable following what League mm-hmm. Two have done. I don't know whether, I say, I think maybe if it wasn't quite as tight at the top, it would be a different conversation. But I can see why those clubs, particularly Sunderland, Portsmouth, you know, why those clubs are pushing to not have the season either voided or done by points per game. Um, yeah, I I think it's going to be very difficult for League Two and League One to do different things. But I can absolutely see why the clubs in League One that are pushing to carry it on are doing so. Yeah, well, on Zoom deadline day today, I tried to make a late bid for a Lincoln fan to come on, a mate of mine called Az who's a good lad, um, to get his opinions on things because that's the that's the barrier division, isn't it? Everything's gone up to League Two has been decided to some form or other, even if they haven't decided the details. Um, Prem and Championship, I think, are going to carry on trying to go ahead, um, possibly. League One is the one that's in the middle. Um, yeah. And I was particularly keen to get them on because, Josh, you've got an affiliation with Lincoln having been at uh, uni there, haven't you? Soft spot for them. Yeah, yeah, I do have a big soft spot for Lincoln. Uh, I went to quite a few games of theirs when they were offering like a fiver for students and stuff like that. And they weren't particularly great back then. They were in the conference. But yeah, I do have a good soft spot for them. I'm glad they're doing well now. Yeah, well, um, I said my mate, has, it's a shame he couldn't have come on, actually. It would have been good to have a chat. But uh, he did text me a few bits. He was busy with, uh, he's got a daughter called Robin, by the way. Spelt the same as your name. Quality name, I think, Rob. 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't mind calling you Rob. I've called you that before. <laughs> <laughs> it suddenly came out of that way. Anyway, um, no, but um, as said in his text to me, my view is end the season now for League One and League Two would cost us a lot of money, but unfurling staff, paying for tests and travel and bonuses, better off ending it now. And he went on to say, I listened to our chief executive on a Radio Lincolnshire podcast earlier, very diplomatic, but said that clubs are acting selfishly. Basically, cancelling the season um, leads to losses, but they are, um, they are parked for now, so cash flow not impacted, e.g. Sky will take back some of the TV revenue over the life of the TV deal rather than immediately. And he also went on to say, whereas starting the season, again, with no gate revenue, puts a lot of cash flow pressure on right now, including about 120k just for testing per club, um, which is a lot of money at uh, League 1 and League 2 level with nothing coming in. Um, he did, unfortunately, also make reference to one thing which I think we've all cringed about this week. He also said, your man talking about B-teams as a way to help can do no one any good. It wouldn't help and it would be blackmailing desperate clubs who who need financial assistance and only offering if we bend to the Prem overlords and allow them feeder clubs at the expense of proper teams. Made me so angry reading this. So I have pacified it by saying it wasn't a popular opinion at the club, probably, and certainly not amongst us fans. I don't know where uh, that what, came from as well, because it's like, it's yeah, basically... I've, watched, I've actually watched the... Inter- it seems, I think we've done him a slight disservice, which was he was he was asked a direct question about it. And I think yeah. he was very much... I think he was talking with his previous FA hat on, rather than mm-hmm. as with his Brighton hat on. So I think he was saying it's something that he had favoured when he was at the FA and he could see the reasoning behind why you would do it from a point of view of giving young players a chance up the leagues. But I mean, my answer to that is, isn't that why we've got a loan system in place? Yeah, exactly. That's precisely. I mean, I'm not surprised that the Lincoln chairman, to be honest, is going out saying they want to finish because they're pretty much mid-table-ish, aren't they? So from the point of view of they're not going to go up, they're not going to go down. What is the yeah, point of playing money, nine games? With, exactly. They're just going to be losing money on performance. You know, but do you think he'd be? Do you think he'd be saying the same thing if they were sitting in sixth? No, that's and that's the point, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if that you are the... if you are one of these teams who are, you know, who are in the promotion picture and who might be on a good run and might have you know more home games left than other teams in the running, there's not a chance. I mean, if if yeah. it was us, let's say that it's the championship or in League One and we're sitting in sixth, we're on a good run, we've got four five more home games left. Not a chance that we'd be happy yeah. for them just to call the season at points per game. And there's so many variables as well in terms of like the number of games in League One because of the Bolton issues at the start of the season, because of the Berry yeah. issue. There's so many different, you know, kind of numbers of games played, and you know, it's, yeah, not, exactly. it's not. And yeah, as you say, ultimately you'll have teams with more home games than as a result of that. Yeah, and then trying to do, trying to work out points per. That was the other problem they were saying is that trying to work out a points per game kind of uh, model that actually takes into account all of those factors. Mm. Yeah, because it could be and way too very difficult. difficult. But it seems so fiddly. Really. There's always, there's always one team as well who have a good run and end up in the bottom of the playoffs and then often go up because they're on good form. Yeah. And that completely exactly. belies that idea because there's no way you can factor that in possibly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's very difficult in a league where, where it is... Um, you know, it's so tight at the top. And especially, you know, the money gets bigger, doesn't it? I mean, the jump from League One to getting to the Championship is is, is huge mm. relatively mm. To, to where they are. So, 
I mean, you look at, especially, I mean, clubs like Peterborough, I know the Peterborough chairman is generally very outspoken, well, not outspoken, but he, he's not shy about having an opinion in the media about whatever's going on. And a club like Peterborough, who in a polite way have been a kind of yo-yo club between the championship and league one, their business model is clearly revolves around being in the championship at least, you know, one year in every three, probably. Um, you can see why he doesn't want to just give it up. And also a team like Wickham as well. I mean, you say about the jump in terms of TV money, it's huge, which is even bigger now when they might not have attendances at all next season or yeah, exactly. you might hardly have it. So if you can get up to the championship somehow and have the TV, some of the TV games, you know, Wickham go up, they'll probably have quite a few TV games because they've not been at yeah. that level before. I know it's what like, it is. It's like the fifth most, with championships, like the fifth most watched league in Europe or something, isn't it? In yeah. terms of TV. So I can see what I mean. I say I was talking to a League One player, my same League One player I always talk to. Um, about <laughs> you've, not got a, you've not got loads of them lined up to chat to. No, I haven't got loads to uh, <laughs> to speak to. But I was talking to him yesterday, and he was saying the same. Even for for a club like Sunderland as well, is even a big club like that, they need, they cannot keep not getting promoted to the Championship. Their business model, particularly, has been was obviously having. If anyone's watched the Netflix series you'll know that their business model was very much based on getting back to the championship as soon as possible so to have another season carved off where they can't get promoted even for a club of that stature could put them in in jeopardy as we know you know their owners are not you know their owners are not the richest and with those point per game models as well like there's already two point per game models that are going around that even in the premier league change everything like if they use the french model you've got two two teams going down that aren't the same two if you use the other points per game model they're talking about so it's going to be the same thing for league one and with them so close as well like you could see an entirely different playoff picture (laughs) depending on what points per game you use that's the problem as well which is one thing I've seen talk of that extending the playoffs so more teams are in it or something like they are in a conference level, I think maybe, or that's one option they've seen. So basically more teams can be in the playoffs and get a chance to go up. It's wild, isn't it, really? Yeah. That we're trying to work, that we're trying to break it down into, I mean, it's the bottom, I mean, it's the same as we've said all along, Pete, which is basically there's no right answer. You're no, looking for exactly. the least worst, <laughs> the least worst yeah. answer going forward. Which yeah, is... Exactly. The right, the right answer is that everyone's able to go to games and watch games and teams can play home and away to finish the season, but that's not possible. So yeah, so we're just... working backwards from there, really, yeah. and seeing how, what's the, what's the option that most people can feel comfortable yeah. with. And, and I think more I mean, than anything now, it's which, which team, like more than anything, I think it's what teams most financially feel comfortable with as mm. well. The longer this goes on, it's not so much what the fans think. It's going to start becoming more and more about whether we can survive and how we can survive best on what we've got the options of. Well, that's actually what the Port Bell chairwoman was saying, or I think she, yeah, she spoke to yesterday. She was saying exactly that, that while well, their fans might go, we're only one point off the playoffs, what are you doing? She's like, well, this is the best thing for the clubs in that level, for the whole division to, you know, we don't want to come yeah, back to a league to where... Plan, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, and also they don't want to you don't have to for them they don't want to have to pay to extend contracts for another two or three months yeah you know for for no real for no real gain it's because a lot more players at that level will be out of contract yeah most are not i think we did it before didn't there was like two was it like 200 across league league two or something like that i think so something like that i can't remember yeah i remember she she was on the Paul Fail um, chairman, she was on BBC Five Live, I think it was. She spoke very well, and it, I mean, it sounded quite reasonable. And I think it was her that said it, was, it would cost 400000 just to complete the season. 
Um, yeah. I think it was yeah. seven. And it's just and even, completely unjustified. Even promotion it. wouldn't make that up then financially because it's not yeah. that big a jump financially yeah. from League Two to League One. Yeah. And that's yeah. why I made the distinction about League One being this sort of borderline division because I think for the Championship there's a lot more um, credibility in trying to get the season finished from a financial point of view than once you get lower down because the split is, I think it's something like 85% or 82% of the um, money for the FL TV goes to Championship, doesn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, the jump from League One into the Championship is yeah. Obviously, it's not it's not Championship to Premier League, but I mean, it's in in terms of League Two to League One, it's it's miles away from that. Hmm. On a side note, Robin, you seem to have a lot of players and ex-players living in your road or around your streets. Yeah, it's you moved to a very leafy, exclusive neighbourhood or something. What's going on there? <laughs> I wouldn't say it's exclusive i mean it's nice it's a nice kind of new build um new build estate but yeah there's a few players popped up which is a bit bizarre we've got um we've got ex premier league uh wonder kid prospect malcolm christie who lives three houses away from me which i only found out the other day um uh we've got yeah sunderland player i've mentioned uh albion's own jason Steele actually has a house just mm. around the corner as well uh who else have we got gray uh graham Kavanagh. Used to play for Cardiff. Cardiff. Yeah. Uh, who else have we got? Um, yeah, there's a few others. We've actually got uh, Geyser Mendieta lives just down the road as well. Mm, Bizarre why he's still here. I think because he came, he played for Middlesbrough at the tail end of his career. That's right. Um, yeah. But has obviously has stayed in the region. And I was reading the other day, is now uh, internationally renowned DJ. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you've got the money to spend, why not, right? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it is, it is bizarre. We've got uh, Gary Pallister just around the corner as well. So, mm, nice. Yeah, it's a few Mendieta did a lot of um, Sky punditry, didn't he, for the La Liga coverage yeah. on when they had it until last year or a couple of years ago. Um, and that was, he's quite good, actually. Quite a strong accent, though. Um, for the punditry in England, but yeah. there's one more I've forgotten who lives just down the road. We've got uh, Peter's Peter's favourite ex Leeds left back Ian Hart, mm. as well as on our estate. Anyway, that's it. Well, that's the full list. That's segues, specialist. <laughs> that segues nicely into what I was going to mention next, which was um, you mentioned Leeds, Peter's favourite subject. Both he and I absolutely love Leeds fans. Um, Robin, I know you love Liverpool fans as well. I, I, I love Liverpool fans and Leeds fans in equal yeah. measure. And you can guess where this is going, can't you? Yeah. <laughs> this week, um, it seems that we've turned into enemy number one, which is rather interesting, seeing as we've given weekly press conferences since the beginning, the only club to do it, um, a long list of creditable things that we've done since lockdown, um, which have been commendable by anyone's reckoning. And yet, apparently, we're enemy number one. Can anyone explain yeah. why? Uh, I think I can probably explain. Well, I think we're, we, our downfall has been that we've been so available in the media is probably mm. the main thing. Uh, number two is the standard thing that the press do, which is they've, not, they, they've framed stories in a way that don't actually reflect what has been said. If you read the entire story, you get a very different picture to if you read the headline. So it's like Paul Barber has been targeted quite a lot. I mean, it was, there was the Sun link that I sent you the other day where he was particularly targeted quite personally in it. But I mean, there's things like he's been accused of saying, you know, we're against, we don't want to finish the season, we don't want to have relegation and all of that kind of stuff. And it's like, at no point has he said any of that. But that obviously, that, you know, 
newspapers are trying to do what they always do, which is to make a story, make a story that people are going to buy. Um, but you said, hold on, you said newspapers, but you were talking about the Scum newspaper. I'm confused. Well, I mean, I mean, That's I mean, not a newspaper. Other, news, <laughs> other newspapers are available, and other newspapers have done the same. The BBC same have kind as well. Of thing. BBC yeah, are kind of said, you know, Brighton, you know, Brighton are kind of leading the charge, you know, to basically get rid of relegation. It's like, no, we want to get rid. Mm-hmm. We, we want if you're going to try and change the season with eight or nine games to go and bring in neutral venues, that's changing. I mean, this is where other clubs fans are probably going to disagree with us, but to me, you're changing the integrity of the competition mm-hmm. part way yeah. through the season. Yeah. Yeah. So I can see, and it, but he has said the bottom line is that every club in the Premier League bar West Ham, it seems, are committed to finishing the season. Yeah. But you finish it under the closest possible conditions that you can to normal, which is no fans, but playing home and away games as normal, inverted commas. I don't see why... I've never, I don't really understand why it's difficult for other fans to not grasp that. So it's a fairly be, simple to, argument. To be fair, we've been proved wrong, though, because I saw a photo on from put up by a Leeds fan of um, Borussia Mönchengladbach winning at Eintracht Frankfurt yesterday, and they used it as proof that home ground means nothing when it's a neutral venue. Because <laughs> teams never win away in normal football. So, uh, you know... Especially must... teams that are better teams than the Yeah, Hunters. exactly, yeah. So, you know, so that's proof. To be honest, I would, I would really, this is where the cynic in me comes out. I would really enjoy it if Father did come out and displays and go, yeah, we're against relegation. <laughs> However you want to do it. Whatever, whatever, whatever rule you want to be in, we just don't want to go down, which is, you know, probably behind the scenes. No one wants to go down, do they? Yeah. But no club's going to come out and go, actually, you know what? Yeah, we think relegation should be scrapped totally. But The other, the other reinvention that happened in, uh, was, was Joey Barton. That's the one I saw, was Joey Barton. Uh, reinterpreting yeah. what Glenn Murray had said. Apparently, he said he doesn't want to play um, season out, which uh, he yeah. quickly was um, off the mark to. Uh, yeah, the issue with that. So, Joe, so Joey Barton's Joey Barton's very badly made point, which is unsurprising, was basically <laughs> Glenn Murray was saying that he he didn't feel safe playing because, and he was only saying that because he's in a relegation battle. Hmm. And Glenn Murray came back and said, "Well, you've obviously not seen the comments from Aguero." from Sterling. Mm. Abraham know, from, now came out recently. Exactly. From, mm. And obviously, you know, a lot of these players who are playing at the top end of the division. So it's, you know, obviously it's not a cynical point. I, I'm sure they're all over the place. I was going to say, Peter, don't worry, because that would get conveniently ignored. So you don't have to yeah. worry about it. Oh, no, apparently it didn't. And what was said was he was worried about Chelsea dropping out the top four. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently there were comments to that effect for him so it's like yeah apparently I and mean, heaven forbid you play for Liverpool or Leicester or have some concerns about this or Leeds you know yeah. I mean you wouldn't dare say anything would you be too and scared Sheffield United have been really vocal apparently I've been I've been limiting very heavily how much Twitter I've been reading on this matter because it'll just wind me up that surprised me to be honest because I've always found them a, a decent yeah. bunch I think it was but... one or two idiots rather than mostly uh, the most of the idiots like Leeds to Liverpool to be honest uh, but Josh, but what's the... the flip side of the coin is if we were in Leeds's position, how would we be feeling? Yeah, we we would be feeling frustrated and we would be gutted yeah. if we missed I, out. I just don't I think, think our fans would be this horrible to other teams, basically. Kind of no. I, think it, I think it would also depend on what the club itself was doing, right? I think if the club was doing what it's doing now, I think that even if we were in second or first in the championship, I think we would have a different opinion. I think that... Mm. The, the club itself has kept itself quiet, which is just allowing the fans to act off their own back. And I think if, you know... Yeah, if, exactly. Leeds haven't come out and said anything, as far as I can see. 
no, no they I mean, haven't not that i can see either and i think that's a big i think that's a big one right like if you have a team absolutely. doing what we're doing you you act differently as a fan because you're basically then either saying that like yep i agree with the club i think that we're doing the right thing or f the club i'm gonna be a dickhead <laughs> for no reason you know what i mean i think it's i think it's one of those things that the leads club have kept quiet which is strange because i've always thought leeds are such a well-run happy club um with no controversy yeah, they'd strange. have had that they got their pr house well in order wouldn't they <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah exactly i well, mean no, i think it, it, it's difficult obviously you know leeds leeds fans are, are a, a passionate bunch put it like that and i can understand their frustration to a degree but i agree with pete that the, the pure kind of vitriol and quite yeah unpleasant nature of mm. a lot of the stuff they've said um you know i think a lot of people are forgetting that we're in you know we're in a situation where hundreds of thousands of people have died <laughs> you know yeah. it's, it makes football you know it as important as it is to all of us it? yeah, I know, yeah exactly i mean all of us you know we're all incredibly passionate about football but actually not to the extent where it overrides something yeah. which has affected basically yeah, I mean, everyone in the world yeah. I don't think anyone case, would say would rather that this happened than we got relegated with it not happening. I mean, it's like we'd have well, all exactly, taken... Yeah, exactly. You take relegation. I was, I was saying the other day to someone, you know, I would take... If this, if we could have just avoided this and wiped it off the face of the earth like this, I would take restarting in League Two, to be honest. Yeah, yeah I mean, in this country alone, I think we've had virtually an Ellen's Road... Ellen Road's worth of death, haven't we, in terms yeah, of numbers? Exactly. Um, Thirty-five thousand, something like that. I think, have died. Is it? Is that yeah. right? Yeah. So you know. But yeah, I say I can. I say I can understand the frustration because if we were in that position, this had happened in the promotion season, and the kind of uncertainty was hovering over us. Mm. Having you know, having had the recent failures or near misses that we'd have had, I can understand that you'd be. You'd yeah, be I mean, feeling pretty good. But, but equally, it. if Leeds were in a position that you know the bottom six are in, they would be doing everything to make sure they'd be oh, yeah, saying, Well, it's 100%. not fair, not our home grounds are fortress, Ellen Road's amazing, you know. Yeah, exactly. Hundred percent. They don't see that, they don't get it. No, the one thing that and, stands out is Liverpool haven't won the title for thirty years. Leeds have been trying to get out for what, fifteen years? Out of that more than I think, yeah, it's, kind of thing, yeah. Sixteen, yeah, I think yeah. seventeen. It's no coincidence those two are so vocal about it, I think. Um, West Brom, I haven't really, well, I haven't been reading, but I haven't been hearing No, I've about. not seen a lot from them. So yeah, one sure. or two copies. Because they've been up more recently, so maybe there's a thing yeah. with that, I don't know. But it's I think like, it's a bit of a, bit of a weird one. There's only one or two from them, it's mainly Liverpool and Leeds. And mainly people who yeah. probably don't even live there as well. A lot of the time it's people who live in, you know, like Liverpool fans who live in Ireland or whatever, who have no, you know, probably have never been to a game, a lot of them. And this is the thing, <laughs> I mean, Robin, you don't like Liverpool fans from their online presence, a load of people with entitlements, etc., isn't it, pretty much, I think, in summary. Yeah, but I think the Liverpool fans I've met when I've gone to games that I've met down here in the South, whatever, have been absolutely top class. They really know their football. They understand, even at the lower levels, that they've not been in for generations. They still understand about lower league football and they've got a good head on them. But the people online are include a number of complete balance and I think um, it's the same with most clubs isn't it really um, yeah, we've, got own, we've got our own fair share of them to be honest yeah as exactly well. that's, yeah. that's not hide from that absolutely the case I think we have to put it in perspective don't we this this is all Twitter uh, and yeah, yeah. I think we do yeah and I think I mean I think everyone's probably dealing with this in their own way aren't they because I mean none of us have ever faced a situation yeah. where there are I think it, and it's also the fact that 
no definitive decision has been reached and we're still seemingly not that much closer mm. to a unanimous decision. I mean, I suppose yeah. probably the least, the decision with the least animosity would be to promote from the championship and not relegate from the Premier League. Hmm. Possibly, yeah. Which Although I know they've I think talked about. There's still been a lot of comments where Murray kind of, kind of, you know, it suggested the idea that if the league championship doesn't finish, but then the Premier League does, it's hard to relegate. There's still a yeah, lot of tags exactly. then as well. I think that's, that's the problem. So I think that's why I say if you remove the animosity, if you say fine, mm. you've got to, they've got I've to follow not, the same. I've not seen an awful lot about the championship itself. There's not been a lot in the, in the press or the media about what's happening with the, you know, obviously league one and league two, we know are ongoing or slash league two's decided premier league. There's yeah. been every day. There's a development, or whatever, but the championship really has been very quiet as a whole. Yeah. Considering mm. it's the, considering, as I say, it's the league with the biggest financial, you know, golf. Yeah. In terms of, you know, the reward, you know, the reward versus the failure in inverted commas of not going up versus going up is yeah. so yeah. stark, isn't it? And it's the fourth most watched division in attendance wise um, in Europe ahead yeah, of wild. Syria. So, you know, I mean, yeah, I suppose the interesting, the only thing I've seen about the championship was, was um, Lee Bowyer talking about Charlton. Mm. Obviously they've dropped into the bottom three for the first yeah. time this mm. season as a result of losing to Middlesbrough in their, last game before lockdown so if covid had wild, happened actually. a week earlier they would They'd be having fine. a totally different and that yeah. was that was why his idea his he was one of the proponents saying that they should do points per game but actually have the cut off halfway through the season mm. at which point yeah. everyone's played everyone once because i think that put charlton in like eight or something yeah they had a great start to the season yeah and they've hardly won this year well sure, at least they have, at least they have won this year though you can, make, the, you, can uh, make, you can take data and make it do anything that you want, can't you? That's the thing. It's just how you manipulate it. Definitely. I was going to say, Josh, apart from Twitter, which obviously will be a main source of um, info for you over in the States, what's the general mood over there? Is there, is there a different take on things? What's, what's happening? So I don't have a lot of uh, American friends who support the Premier League, uh, but I do have a few, and pretty much every single one of them thinks that the idea of it being played behind closed doors is a bit crap. Um, I think they're mostly all on board with the points per game. Um, I've got a Watford fan who is very anxious right now. Uh, I've got a United fan who is also desperately wanting Liverpool to not win the league. So <laughs> they're all uh, they're all kind of in the, on the same boat of if we can avoid it, great. But I think that we're not going to avoid it, and I don't think that's the right decision. No, they're not going to avoid it. I think points. I think we're getting closer to points per game. <laughs> I did see an interesting quote from, uh, obviously, a very biased Noel Gallagher. I'm not sure if you saw it, but uh, he said that if it wasn't Liverpool going for the title, if it was Chelsea or City, uh, it would have been decided already. If they try and finish this season, then the next few seasons are going to be chaos. I'm not sure what you all think to that. I, I, I personally agree with him. I think that if it wasn't Liverpool and Leeds of all clubs, I think that we would have moved to a resolution quicker. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. I think it sounds crazy, but... Liverpool have got such a long time without a title and they're so far clear as well. And again, Leeds... Wildest. I mean, I, as well I think... I do think they've got to come up with... I think the next thing they've got to do, really, is they've got to come up with a definitive date by which this season has to be finished. Mm-hmm. To me, that's the glaring thing that we've not got because everyone's... Whilst you've not got a definitive date that you're working towards, you can keep kicking the can down the road, can't you? You keep saying, yeah. oh, we'll wait, we'll wait, and we'll wait, and we'll wait. But actually, if you say, fine, actually, we're going to set the date as 
July the 30th, say, for argument's sake. We'll say, fine, our aspiration is that we're going to start in the middle of June and we're going to finish by July the 30th, how many games are left. And if it gets to the point where it's clear that July the 30th isn't workable because either there's been another outbreak or, you know, whatever has got in the way, that actually say, fine, if we get to July the 30th and we can't finish it, then actually we've got to go points per game. Yeah. And I think the, the other thing they've got to decide based on that is next season as well. I mean... Yeah, that or what kind of gap are you going to have? Because, I mean, if you kind of give up on next season almost, and you, know, you say it's going to be pointless starting without going back to normal or whatever, then you can, you've got longer to finish this season in a way. But Yeah, exactly. That's why I think whilst there's no kind of, whilst there's no clarification over specific deadlines or dates, then we can just be stuck in this, you know, potentially for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I think, well, I mean, you won't even have set a, a deadline by which they want clubs to have, started the ball rolling don't they so i guess yeah, yeah. about the end it's like 27th of may or something is for leagues to make a decision on what yeah. they're going to do but there's not so, a, they've not said yeah. a date by which you've got to do it so the premier league on the 27th of may can say yeah fine everyone's agreed that we're going to complete the season as played as per what germany are doing but uh, you've got to put a dead you've got to put a deadline on the other end of it i think yeah, it's mm. May twenty fifth. They put a deadline on uh, that the European football's governing body had instructed all national associations to submit firm dates for completion of leagues no later than May twenty fifth. And the latest the leagues can finish, they do have an end date for that too, and that's oh, August second. August the second. Okay, so end of July. Yeah, yeah so that's, I mean, a, that's a week tomorrow. We got to they got to decide then, and they're still quite a long way off confirming stuff from the sound of it. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is something I've said before, which is I know this is obviously a, a pretty unprecedented scenario but I'm surprised that an organization or a business essentially as large as the Premier League doesn't have something written into its rules as to what happens if a season can't be finished because there seemingly isn't anything Hmm. everyone is seemingly fighting different different angles on it and so I say you know for a multi-billion pound business not to have no that's why a contingency plan is something you never want to use right that's why you have it in case there's a squabble I mean, you should have something in there to say, fine, no, for, for whatever reason, a season can't be finished, then we go points per game. Yeah. Yes, if it's and before then, halfway, no one, no one then we cancel it. If it's after halfway, then we, yeah, exactly. we carry on. We just game. do it points per game, yeah. Mm. Exactly. And if, if that was in the rules, then no one would... Obviously, people would still quibble, but you'd have no legal standing because you go, well, you've, you've, you've signed up to the terms yeah. of the league. And there'd be no arguments want... as well. Yeah. You would be, you'd have started to sort out by rules. now. Yeah. Yeah. So the fact I know it's I'd say I know it's a kind of once in a you know once in a more than a lifetime, but it still seems odd that you you don't have some kind of contingency in there. The crazy thing I mean, thing I guess the, they probably will now. I'd have thought <laughs> they yeah. will now put something in. I'd have thought, but the, cra- the crazy thing to me is that they seem to have just they seem to be just the German league are basically going back. They had a few a couple of weeks training. They've had longer off than pre-season, but yet there's no friendly to whatever. So basically, like half the games yesterday started at walking pace. Because players yeah. aren't fit enough, they're not. They've not played friendlies. They've not warmed up. Really, it's yeah. It's the, 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 the Steve Bruce has said today well. that um, that he doesn't think he doesn't think that the current deadlines that the Premier League are talking about are workable. He's saying that he will need six weeks with his Newcastle players. Mm. That's quite a lot, isn't it? Yeah. No, so I, I mean, I know I shared it on one of the WhatsApp groups uh, yesterday, but the Dimitar Berbatov quote as well, and the psychology of playing behind closed doors. Like he said himself, that 
Uh, it affects you to go out and not see a single fan, even though you know it's an important match. Your mind and body tell you it's a training match. It leads to bad performances. Mm-hmm. Like that, that can't be understated too. Like you're going to have, you know, I've seen a couple of Liverpool fans saying, well, that's fine. The team with the best mental strength will win. Well, no, it's not about the mental strength. Yeah. It's probably the teams with the most talent are always going to win out in the end then because you have no psychology to yeah. it. The interesting point is that this is having an eight week gap with no football is probably the longest that any of these players have ever had off. This isn't a normal summer. I mean, most summers there's a tournament, right? There's either either an international tournament or they're on lucrative friendlies and tours all over the country to have eight weeks with no training. Because I think think somebody said if um, from Man City to start of the season was something like 46 days and if we start training again on Tuesday the equivalent of what happened last season that would be something like 73 days already so yeah it's a bigger gap it's totally yeah, different there's nothing in there I mean not no train no you know no proper training in that time so I think they're going to need they're going to need a fair number of weeks to get yeah. ready well the Dortmund Schalke game I thought started yesterday like a, basically a training match and for half an hour people just walking around and then Schalke got uh, Dortmund got their goal and it kind of speeded up a little bit and it became a bit more interesting but for half an hour that game was like a you know yeah a friendly basically yeah. or a tournament not a practice match and for every for every week that we're in training before we even start playing that's a week of risk and for every time you know especially for the older players especially the older players are coming on into the end of their contracts this is months and months of inactivity being put onto an older player's career that they can't get back like a player that may have gotten a contract say pedro right pedro's 32 out of contract in the summer pedro could have got a contract at like valladolid or whatever like in the summer and got paid quite nicely who knows what like he could do his ACL in the summer now because of the lack of activity and he's not going to get a contract anywhere for the next year. Yeah. Like that, the older players, I mean, Glenn as well. Glenn isn't getting yeah, any younger. Like, exactly. exactly. And David Silver's... Well, the, the other point that no one's really seemed to make is that footballers can also have underlying health conditions. Yep. Just because you're a professional athlete doesn't make mm. you immune from having asthma or having yeah, you know, some other condition. Happen? I mean, there was a, the only person I've seen talking about it is Darren Darren Fletcher today. Obviously, he's got colitis, like fairly bad colitis, and he was saying that if he was still playing, he wouldn't feel comfortable going back to play with his condition because he's classed as high risk. And to Josh's point, he, the other thing is he said is that this situation has basically forced him into retirement because he was released by Stoke, I think, last summer. He hasn't had a club through this year, but he said he hadn't formally retired. But this situation has basically put him in the situation where he is retired. Yeah, because he can't risk his he can't risk his 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 uh, his health. I mean, they say that uh, there's a leading doctor, uh, Doctor Dickinson. I don't know if you saw that article a while ago. It was at the same time as Tammy Abraham came out, Um, and he said that there's probably 25 percent of the Premier League have undiagnosed like athletic asthma. Like that, you know what I mean? That's that's a huge amount. And there's a bunch of people, just because a bunch of people on Twitter are going, they're a professional athlete, they won't die. Mm. Like they clearly are just as clueless about that as anything else. The other thing to say as well is is there have been a small number of people with no underlying health conditions who've died from it. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, to say there's no risk attached is... Yeah, there is risk attached. I've got a friend of mine who suffered with it quite badly. He's recovered now, thankfully. Dybala 
um, a more notable name, obviously, from Juventus. He, he had it and had it for weeks and pretty bad. Yeah. Not on a ventilator, but he was suffering for quite a while. Um, you've got people like Menzies Lang, I think it is, at Cardiff, was talking about having asthma, which is obviously a major significant problem. And oh. even historically, there's probably some modern equivalents. Gary Mabbott spent his whole career in the 80s playing with diabetes. But I mean, yeah, exactly. The, the, the big thing that I think the population as a whole have ignored as well is like, I'm okay, I've got no underlying health conditions. But people don't know they've got no underlying health conditions because a lot of the time the whole point is they're not known. So yeah, yeah it's really a, a situation like, where they're clinically relevant and then yeah. and then you realise yeah. that, yeah, you have got... Yeah. A, so what are you going to do? Test all these be. players for underlying health conditions as well somehow? Or, you know, <laughs> well, it's, like, it's just thing, unrealistic. It's well, just luck, isn't it, that you find those kind of yeah. things. Look at Connor Goldson. Like, how many, how yeah. many tests yeah. must he? How many times must he have done what he did in the medical room before they found he had an underlying health condition? He was 23, yeah. 24 years old. Yeah. He was at big clubs, not big clubs, but big-ish <laughs> clubs. Yeah, well, he's right. had multiple medicals for his yeah. transfers. Start of every preseason, they must go through mm. fairly rigorous. Yeah, health assessment. So and like he'd, say, been, I mean, he'd been with us for a couple of years, so it's not even like we spotted it in the medical. Like this yeah. is something that just shows yeah, up. Can, this can pop up. So I think that, mm. that seems to be the big thing, which is, and I think that's the point that a lot of the players are making in not so many words, which is, you know, just because you're a professional athlete, it doesn't remove the risk. Yeah. And we're mm. kind of seeing them as the media and the government are kind of saying, oh, let's get football back as soon as possible. And I think a lot of footballers are kind of feeling like they're almost being not sacrificed, but, you know, they're almost being put in the line of danger for the greater good of everyone enjoying football behind closed doors. But they are, just because they earn a lot of money, it doesn't give everyone the right to push them into a situation that could endanger them, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and you're yeah. seeing that a lot now. You're seeing a lot of people who are going, well, I'm, go- I'm having to go back to work, so they should too. And it's like, well... It's not really the same. Like you work no, it. If you felt that you didn't have to go, that was the point we discussed earlier. If you felt like you were genuinely in danger, you yeah, do have you a choice. You don't have to go. <laughs> yeah, there is. There are options there to not have to go. And but for a footballer, if made, everyone else is going back, it would take. Troy Deeney's made a big point say, about it, hasn't he? Yeah. Deeney's been very vocal and fair play to him. You know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. as a footballer, to say if you were one of the few that decided you didn't want to go back, what does that do for your career? Yeah. Especially if your club then got relegated and you were like, yeah. you were really missed you, or whatever. And exactly, if you're if you're Glenn Murray, for instance, and you say, fine, actually, you know, I'm at the tail end of my career. I do want to play for another couple of years, but I'm not comfortable going back. A because of the risk of the virus, and B because I don't want to, you know, tear my ACL because I've had eight weeks off. The Albion go down as a result of our well, standard not being able to score any goals. Then what does that do? Exactly. Yeah. Well, I feel like a half-time whistle's just been blown, so I feel like it's yeah. a good time to have a break in part one, and we'll be back shortly. Okay, welcome back to part two of this special uh, episode with Together and Brighton Rock coming together for a special with me, Josh, Pete, and Robin. We're all still here. Hello, boys. Hey, yeah. All right. And in this second part, we're going to talk about the season, as it apparently should have finished today, how it has actually gone in the bits that we have seen up until March, and um, analysing what we think of the season, how we were doing, what we could have done better, and um, really going through the team position by position with analysis of that as well, and any disappointments or nice surprises we felt we've had through the season so far. So, season started well, didn't it, all August, a 3-0 away win at Watford. That was a pretty good, um, well, hopeful sign of things to come. 
didn't quite work out as well as we'd hoped, but pretty decent start, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah and uh, unexpected. Yeah, considering we were... we've not really torn up that many trees in pre-season games, to be honest. Yeah, um, see, so we'd looked good, but we hadn't really, you know, we'd looked good in patches, but we hadn't really put together a a sort of solid full performance. And I guess that's it, isn't it? You, you peak for the first game of the season, um, yeah. which we did. But not a bad yeah. start. Obviously, it, it got us. Um, the two positive things were the fact that we got three different scorers. Well, two we got two, and Watford scored one for us. Had they later repeated um, in the season. And Doni, who of course became the uh, the black sheep of the family later on, and Morpé on his debut scoring, uh, we had dynamic, progressive, um, affecting substitutions, which was something that excited everybody, didn't it? Yeah, and um, I, I went away from that game thinking, uh, yeah, and Doni could have a really good season here under Potter. It was kind of, uh, and that lasted, yeah. yeah, two more games. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, I think we all did. Yeah, he should have done too, shouldn't he? Because he is a good player on his day. He's a good yeah, player. I would have him controversially, I would have him back in a heartbeat. Yeah, and he is technically back with us, isn't he? Because um, I think yeah, that was right. He's, he's, not, he's not in our 25, I don't think. So no. unless, they, unless they relax the rules on on, yeah. uh, on registering for the 25. Maybe due to the June thing, maybe. I'm not sure. Maybe um, they will, but I would have him back. He's not being, um, his option isn't being taken up by Galatasaray now, presumably because of the circumstances of uh, mm. COVID as much as anything. Didn't really, didn't really set the world on fire there either. Hmm. We, I know we he's, been... he scored a couple of goals, didn't he, in like the Champions League and stuff and then yeah, absolutely nothing yeah. after that. But, yeah. Mm. Yeah, good player, but yeah, he's a head case. Um, he might be always one of those players who does look good and you think, oh, he's going to kind of a good run of form now and then never quite, you know, had a few good games but never quite does it over you know, a yeah, season or... Pete and um, Josh and I talked about this with Peter Ward the other day particularly about Andoni and our conclusion was that his we'll come on to it in a minute I'm sure the red card against Southampton mm. to me it very much looked like it was premeditated and he was trying to make a point in the worst possible way which is that probably he'd want, he, want, he wanted to leave and he'd been told no so he thought, yeah. right, I'm going to go out and basically show that you can't keep me. Yeah. yeah. He denied is, it, didn't he? He said it was accidental, but... Yeah. It's but it's like, I mean, the circumstance of it, you know, the, the ball was so far gone. There was no... When you, I think when you look at a tackle which comes off badly, you've got to look at it and go, is there a, is there a, a scenario here where, where the tackle could have gone well, but it was just badly mm. timed? Mm. This yeah. one, you just go, I look at that and I go, I can't... I can't see any scenario from that that comes out with that being a good tackle. He was never going to win the ball, basically. No, no not at all. It was. No, it was. Uh, if you go into a tackle and you can go, yeah, I can see. I can see that there's a chance. As bad a tackle as it was, I can see that there was a genuine attempt or a chance that he could have won the ball. And you go, well, fine. It was a bad tackle. It deserves to be a red card, but he was going for the ball. When yeah. the ball is well gone and you basically plant your foot in a player's shin there's not really an argument to make to go I was trying to win the ball and it's strange isn't it because we obviously had a lot of hope on that first game against Watford and I think that for me I felt like we'd almost walked away from the first six games thinking that we could have won five out of these I mean the West Ham game was incredibly unlucky and then the Southampton game I think that everybody can agree that if we'd have kept 11 men on the pitch I think that we were probably going to win it Dunk had had a goal 
chalked off by VAR, hadn't he already? Yeah, even, that was yeah. Like 10, 10 against 11 as well. So we, you know, with 10 yeah. men, we scored. I mean, yeah. We were unlucky. Uh, yeah. Manchester, Manchester City yeah. was... We were, we were never going to beat Man City. Goal, wasn't it? Sorry, I was going to say, Southampton's yeah, first goal was an absolute wonder goal from that winger. Yeah. I, name I can't remember, wasn't it? And their second goal was like on the counter-attack, wasn't it? So. It was in like, yeah, it was like the 92nd minute, I think. Yeah, so, I mean, it was fine goal. margins. Like, you're right to say, even, I mean, even Man City, we talked about this the other day with Wardy again, the fact even losing 4-0 at the Etihad, we played really well. And it seems really odd to say that in a 4-0 defeat, but genuinely for, you know, half an hour of that game, probably more, actually. Yeah, I mean, really well. And that was having seen... conceded very early as well. We kind of like should have yeah, you know, lost it. a minute or something. Mm. Someone, I, think, I can't remember who it was. Someone said it was the best 4 0 defeat performance they'd seen oh. ever. Didn't Guard- Guardiola <laughs> came out and said that actually it would make that the way we the way that we had approached the game at the Etihad actually had made him think that he needed to change something. It actually surprised him and actually realised that the teams could come to the Etihad and actually attack. And if we had had a striker, if we'd have had, you know, the, the mythical clinical striker that we've been looking for, we could have scored a couple of goals in that game. And I think well, that's, point. I think you've just literally hit on the crux of the whole season, haven't you? Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and even that's even it. right after the Man City game, we then went and played Burnley at home and only lost from a literal last minute screamer from Jeff Hendrick that was outside of the box that just flew through everybody. Mm. And then we went up to Newcastle uh, and only took a point off of them when mm. that is the most dominant away performance I've probably seen the Albion put in since yeah. the yeah. since There was the that League ridiculous clearance off the line, wasn't there? Yeah, from, from like Connolly, or Connolly, wasn't it? Yeah, and it was yeah. basic. I mean, I think it was, I remember seeing the thing and it was like, it was millimetres away. Like most of the ball was over the line. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's really, really close. And Connolly, of course, had just got off the mark against Bristol Rovers mm, in August yeah. in, the, in the League Cup game as well. It was like it? a little lob over the keeper, wasn't mm. it? Yeah, he just yeah, poked yeah. it, kind of chipped it past him, didn't he? And but I mean, I think again, that's the other side of it. You know, it's kind of we had a lot of possession that day, but really, in the end, you haven't we didn't create that so, many so, chances? Yeah. There weren't, you know, there were there was that, and there was like one or two others. But actually, at the end, Newcastle could have won it with they had, if anything, the better chances. Yeah, despite I mean, our possession and dominance. Those early season results oh, were... Cr- that's the crux as well. There's yeah. so much well, possession. You've mentioned and, the Andoni um, being a head case and then, you know, lacking a striker at the City game. Well, he was suspended for that match, so that was that. But um, we also had, I mean, as you said, the one-all with West Ham, the, the one-all with Burnley, the nil-nil with Newcastle, the subsequent 3-1 defeat to Aston Villa, um, which was the third round of the EFL. There's just a, a series of games which were disappointing, and I don't think we got the best out of really. Um, and then I mean, the we played fun. we played a very weak team in the Villa game, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. To be fair, it was yeah. basically a second. We basically played a second string team, and they had yeah. pretty much a first team. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those out. other those league games were. I felt that was at the crux of where our problem continued to be for the season as it as it unfolded. Yeah, um, and, it, and even then, yeah. the next game we held Chelsea to nil-nil at half time, and it was a stupid error from Webster in giving away a penalty that then just after half time that cost, lost our way. I think, didn't it? No, and I think, yeah, I think we were nil-nil. Sorry, <laughs> I think, but I think it was nil. Was it nil-nil at half time? I think I have a feeling. Yeah, it was nil-nil at half time. Yeah, so we got through to half time. Reason I don't remember them being particularly dominant or anything like that. We had one I think they had Tammy Abraham had a really dangerous chance. Was it Tammy mm. Abraham or somebody? But they didn't have lots. It, but they weren't all over us, were they? It was, that uh, was it, wasn't no. it? Yeah. yeah. So that was disappointing. And then when we went into October, 
we started with a, a brief interlude of, of fun where Conley again, Sean, uh, 3-0 against Spurs before some other disappointing results. What a game that was, though, the Spurs match. Mm. Um, were you guys at the match? Yeah. yeah. Hey, it was another one. I mean, brilliant performance, but obviously hinged on Hugo Lloris yeah. doing or having that injury fairly early on. I think that obviously that it had the added, obviously it gifted us a goal, but I think it it clearly affected the uh, the Tottenham players, I think. Well, also, they, were, they came into it from the back of the 7-2 against Bayern and probably yeah. were like, you know, really up for it. And then suddenly in the first, second minute, they lose their keeper and concede a goal. And that yeah. probably, yeah, just kind it's of... a long way back. And that injury and was brutal too. It wasn't yeah, one of those, it was, like, it wasn't a, it was wasn't a nasty, groin strain. Wasn't it? it was, yeah. Really? And it was such yeah. a freak one as well. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah, we weren't sure what I was mean, happening at first. It was because we were at the on the east on the other the other end of the pitch. Yeah, we weren't sure what happened end. initially. And so. I thought, I just thought, oh, they're going to disallow because I thought, I thought he'd been pushed. I thought he'd been pushed mm. into the net. I, I thought he'd been fouled. And I thought, actually, no, there was no one near him. It was just yeah. the cross. The cross had come in, and there was no one around him. I thought yeah. somehow this will be disallowed. But <laughs> you, say, you, say it's a, uh, you say it's a freak thing, but I feel like Larice has a lot of freak things. <laughs> what point does it become? At what point does it become a character trait of Larice? Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, he was the one who had concussion at one point, wasn't he? And they they kind of changed the rules because of his. He carried on playing for a while with concussion, didn't he? Or something? Yeah, it's odd, isn't it? Because yeah. he's a good goalie. He's a, yeah. You can see he's a really good goalie, but then he's prone to those. He's not crazy... the player he was a few years ago, though. I don't think right. he was brilliant like two or three years no. ago, but he's. He's not the same now. Maybe so. that concussion had more of an effect than we think. <laughs> Maybe. Well, if he was a goalkeeper. Yeah. I mean, the Spurs game was a full storm, wasn't it? On two counts. Firstly, it made, it made us very excited about Connolly, and he has subsequently gone very quiet. And not I know scored. He's been, been carrying an injury, as it turns out, but nonetheless. Um, but also a full storm for the Albion as a whole, because we had that very disappointing 2 1 defeat at Villa. And um, we did get a win over Everton, but in controversial circumstances. Yeah. But then Villa, I thought, was controversial as well, equally. I mean, we were, I mean, I, I, to be honest, given the two offences from Moy, the, the red card was pretty harsh, I thought. He kicked the ball away very slightly for his first booking, when he probably was a foul on one of our players as well. Yeah. And up to that point, we were absolutely hammering them like, for 30 minutes. We were one up, yeah. we could have yeah, been two or three yeah. up, probably. And even then, it took them four minutes into added time for them to get the yeah. win against us, too. And we had chances second half as well. We could have, but I think Montoya had a really good chance and we kept attacking them. Hmm. Yeah, we had a chance just before, literally just before their goal, didn't we? Mm. Yep. It was very end-to-end, really. Yeah, their goal resulted from us missing a pretty good chance at the other end. I have no doubt if there had been 11 against 11, we'd have won that game comfortably because Villa were terrible for half an hour and we were absolutely dominant. And Moy was brilliant. And then, of course, not only did we get under 10, but we lost our best player, arguably. Yeah, as well, oh, yes, and for, doing so. Yeah. The Everton game, I mean, there's controversial penalty, obviously, was the, the reason the game got decided in our favour. Oh, yeah. It was the only time this season I can remember where we've had a clearly decisive um, mm. scenario from that's favoured us, perhaps unfairly, arguably unfairly. Um, every other decision's either not had any consequence mm. to the result or has gone against us. So, and that was at least something. <laughs> it's one positive to go from it. Yeah, it's and like people keep using the fact that we get loads of VAR decisions, but a lot of them are like David Luiz at Arsenal when he was about six mm. yards offside and for some reason the linesman didn't put his yeah. flag up. You like, that's, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's Yeah, but I mean, it's a ridiculous oh, example, but it's, you know, that, that's not a VAR decision going for you. It's just ridiculous decision for the linesman not to put his flag up. Yep. Yeah. 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 
Um, so there we have it. And then, the point the VAR, the, the... Sorry, go on. Then the nonsense of VAR is you say, oh, a decision, you get so many decisions of VAR, you go, well, the point of VAR is you get the right decision. So you're not, VAR is not favoring anyone if it's doing its job, which is to yeah. establish the facts, hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. If it's going yeah, well, for a minute, it, it I, slipped, I slipped into defending VAR. I'll have to. <laughs> I'm gonna, <laughs> gonna have to row back from that. So. Bloody hell, lockdown's really getting to you, Robin. <laughs> no. Um, well, we got into November, didn't we? And um, we had a two-nil win at Hampton Norwich. Again, we didn't really press home as much advantage as we, I thought, had in that match. But two-nil was still. We had Trossard coming on, didn't it? Really, sir. To be the one who yeah. kind of yeah. changed totally the game, the game totally yeah, changed definitely. it. He scored one and set up one. I think it's memory. Dreadful. That yeah. game was. I was surprised that game went ahead. Yeah. Well, oh yeah, that was the game with the uh, rain, wasn't it? Mm. I remember we got yeah, stuck. We watched, that was the because we watched the rugby world cup. That was the rugby world cup final in the morning, and the yeah. weather in Brighton was absolutely dreadful. I, I was really. That's the closest I've thought to a game not going ahead of the amic the wind was insane and the rain was like just sideways so it was good it was good to get good to get a win but it was yeah i mean it was one of those ones you just got to get the job done mm. we, we were drenched that's reminded me i've got something i need to mention about the caxton in a minute as well which is where we saw the world cup final. but um, yeah. yeah we got totally soaked at dick's bar uh well from the station to there and then into the ground yeah horrible <laughs> at least we got the win united first sign of real naivety from potter wasn't it um yep. we just went out and left ourselves exposed yeah. in that game three one defeat uh disappointing we, really the frustrating thing was i mean we were pretty ordinary first like hour then we got ourselves back in it at 2-1 and instead mm. of like kind of solidifying and going again we just threw men forward again and should have been about i mean we were 3-1 down within about two minutes and should have been 4-1 down within a minute later i mean united missed some absolute sitters that day yeah they did yeah. and they the fact is that that double salvo they had as well was so lucky as well, or unlucky yeah, for us. That, yeah, the yeah, first that one was a ridiculous. horrible deflection, and then the other yeah. one was an own goal. And, yeah. you know, that one-two punch, like 19 and 17 minutes in, similar to the Tottenham game the other way around, yeah, yeah. at Old Trafford yeah. as well. You're not going to come back from it. Yeah. No, it was rough. Um, it was. Yeah. And things yeah, didn't get any better well. for a while, did they? We, we unfortunately had a run of tough fixtures of which we couldn't really make anything count. We lost 2-0 at home to Leicester, 2-1 away at Liverpool. So our, our fast becoming regular slender defeat to Liverpool was uh, becoming a new fashion. Um, didn't do us any good though on the point stake. Um, however, it all changed, didn't it? Once we got into December, at least for a while, because we got that, um, well, you've mentioned already, Peter, the 2-1 win at Arsenal. Brilliant day out. Oh, night out, wasn't it? Um, I think uh, on the Thursday. Yeah. I don't, I don't yeah, remember. the Amazon Amazon week, wasn't it? Yeah, Amazon. Oh, yeah, Amazon first yeah. Game, yeah. I but forgot great, about the Amazon stuff. Did you could you watch that one live, Josh? Yeah, yeah, I could watch them all. So they didn't have the Amazon deal over here. They just had it on NBC like usual. Um, but it was funny that of all the games to pop up on Amazon for you lot, it was that one. Um, where I think that you know, I thought that we carried on our form from the Liverpool game straight into that one because that last 10 minutes against Liverpool when they'd had Alisson sent off was hilarious mm. to see them crap in their pants. They really they really were scared to death. Yeah, I mean, Pascal um, Gross nearly equalised, didn't they? Yeah, oh, and there was, there was a couple of opportunities where it was kind of that one pass away from being yeah, they were a really, really dangerous they were really, We actually had them properly on the ropes. It was yeah. really bizarre. You were mm. thinking... Um, 
And, and this having been two down so early on as well, we were two down in 20 yeah. minutes, weren't we, or something like that? And you, yeah. you could have, Liverpool must have thought they were going to roll us over at that point. Yeah. yeah, and we came back, we caused them a lot of problems, and we kind of took that last 15 minutes into the Emirates and just never looked back. I thought we, I thought we were the better team all the way through, even though yeah, I know that 100%. at one point they equalised. I think that even when they equalised, I thought, I think we're still going to win this. I think that, but I think, We've been that way with Arsenal, even since we, uh, I mean, even since we had Yuzhoa's, uh, your like first debut, debut right? Like, yeah. And he, and we, even then, we looked like we were a team that could cause yeah. Arsenal I mean, problems. Like even season, O'Grady scored against them a couple of years later, so they must have been bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I suppose even our, even the game last year at the Emirates to deny them the top four, we should have won that. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah, they had about three or four breakaway end. chances at the end, didn't we? Yeah. Someone missed an open goal basically at the end. Grosh wasn't it, I think, or yeah. Gross, yeah, gross. So even that we should have won that one last year. Yeah. Um, well, I mean that, that game was great for me because I like you, Peter, I've got up in North London, I've got loads of Arsenal mates. So I met up with quite a few before the game and even more afterwards. And uh, and Nick uh, They weren't avoiding the you then. Yeah. <laughs> Nick Nick from Rochdale was uh, joined me afterwards and we uh, we went on the beers with a couple of Arsenal Fans, I think I went to bed at about four in the morning that night, so it was quite good fun. To be fair, the Arsenal fans were good value, they were good lads about the whole thing. But we did have I mean, that was, they had um, that was Jungberg was in charge for them, wasn't it? Yeah, that was his we first were lucky game. that they were, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, they, we, we were lucky that they were kind of in such a flux. Yeah. That we're, that was it his first game, or up. yeah, it was it? I think he'd had a game in the Europa League, did he? but not like not like league that. game I or something, it, yeah. It was, it was definitely his first home game, I think. Yeah, I think if you're a uh, if you're a Premier League manager in London, uh, Brighton are not a team you want to go up against because it's similarly uh, Poch was well on the ropes with Tottenham when we uh, when we played them too, and oh, yeah, they just yeah. lost they just lost Emery and brought in Lomberg and we cracked him too. So I think it's, <laughs> I think it's not one of those kind of teams you want to be playing. For some reason, we seem to do pretty yeah. well against. And they, those, uh, they struggled against Spurs, struggled against us the previous season, didn't they as well? Yeah, yeah, so, uh, yeah. yeah. Because I mean, it took a wasn't it one of, wasn't it a last minute strike from Ericsson that won them that yeah, game yeah, right yeah. last season, and yeah, we played, yeah. we played that was like heartbreaking. Ninety minutes of yeah. pure Chris Hewton anti football, hadn't it? Yeah, minutes. yeah. And so I mean, really think we got out of our own half, did we? We just kind of. Yeah, basically, we, it, it was textbook. It was textbook Chris Hewton defending, and it was it worked like it was so close to working. Um, yeah. It was that yeah, end of the season yeah. when we were dreadful, wasn't it? And we kind of barely yeah, got a point. And, and... Yeah, and a point, exactly. It was like the second or third last game, I think. Yeah, yeah, we had Wolves. It was like a similar performance away, wasn't it, as well? And that yeah, I, think, I mean, exactly. We did exactly the same at Wolves and just managed yeah. to somehow... Uh, just briefly the pausing... End of the, uh... I'm sorry, go on. No, I was going to say, briefly pausing on the um, mention of beers, it's customary to mention if we're having any what we're having. Um, I've noticed Peter's drinking something. What have you got there, Peter? I'm trying to look up the name because do you want to go on with everyone, anyone else and I'll uh, okay, well, in a minute. Well I've, well, I've been working my way through Anchor California Lager, which was quite an Ailey lager, to be honest. I'm not sure it was lager at all, but it was quite nice, actually. Um, and I've also now been on the Heart and Soul um, Session IPA um, from the Vocation Brewery, which is rather nice. This one here, really good stuff. So um, thumbs up to those guys. Pretty nice. And Peter, what is it? What's the My, Mine is called Norhop, and it's a golden ale from the Moore Beer Company. Um, nice. And I got it from a takeaway from a local pub, which is opening up to do takeaways. Brilliant. Um, so, proper beer, quite nice. Mm. Yeah. And um, you guys, well, Rod, well, Josh, you're in the States. You are at about midday, aren't you, roughly? Yeah. Yep. So you're presumably not drinking 
heavily. I am not. I am not. (laughs) (laughs) And Robin? I'm, I'm, a cons- I'm a consummate professional. I don't know what you two are doing. Uh, <laughs> I'm taking this as seriously as it should be taken. Well, I'm, I'm the Bill Werbenick of podcasts. So I can't perform without beers, uh, just like him with his snooker. Which is why we, we originally started recording them in a pub. <laughs> yeah. they, they were better before lockdown, weren't they, Peter, for some reason? I don't know. To be fair, we had content then as well. So, so there were actual football <laughs> games to talk about. Yeah, yeah. But this, this week we can tick off. Uh, Josh, you, you won't be aware of this probably, but um, since Peter and I started the podcast, we haven't won a game of football when we started in January. This <laughs> is getting awkward. <laughs> yeah, I think that that was going to be my follow-on, really. I think after that Arsenal game, I don't think that any of us would have thought that for the following 14 games, we would only see yeah. one more win. Um, Especially yeah, the way we play the next two games really well. Yeah, I mean, Wolves we, and Palace away, Palace, wasn't Palace, it? we were absolutely dominant, weren't we? It was ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we should have, that's another game where we really should have been 2 or 3-0 yeah. up. And yeah. in the end, we almost lost because they, they actually finished really strongly and we were holding yeah, on. Yeah, they did. Even if you take out the rivalry. It was a great goal from Zahar. It was. Yeah, it was, to be Your favourite. I love Will. But yeah, no, it was a, it was a great <laughs> even goal. If you, even if you take out the rivalry and the Mr. Mr. Tumble factor, I mean, it was just, dis, just from a purely footballing point of view, that was such a disappointing... Yeah, result. no, it was. Yeah, we were, for, the first, for the first half an hour, they couldn't really lay a glove on us. Yeah. Yeah, we it was just, like Newcastle, but actually we did create chances on this occasion. Yeah, we had a, and we just we couldn't, had possession. couldn't put them away. Yeah, and then that's again, that's the, that is uh, that's the season summed up in in a in a half an hour period. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah, it yeah. is. Yes, we I mean, either it's either the final ball or the final shot. Either way, we don't, we're not quite able to do it. Yeah, connect it all. Yeah, yeah, particularly the final shot. I mean, that's something I know you've meant you mentioned Nick a minute ago, Russ. That's something that him and I have talked about as well, which is we. I don't know whether it's coaching or whatever, but we seem to have been coached out of taking a shot. Mm. If we're in a position to take a shot, a lot of the time we will look for another final pass. And it's something I saw, we saw a little bit under Chris Hutton, which is, I don't know what it is, whether it's a lack of confidence in front of goal or what, but it seems like we're always reticent to take a shot. Yeah, it could be a lack of responsibility taking, maybe. Maybe, I don't know. It's, it's a lot of the time, you, you'll be mid-central midfielders in a way doing that, taking pot shots from distance, and none of ours are exactly um, prolific scorers, are they? Mm-hmm. It's, gonna... no. it's sort of like Arsenal circa five years ago, isn't it? Yeah, but, but not so team, but Yeah, still... just almost trying to walk the ball into the back of the net, mm. but it's not even that. Sometimes, you'll be in a, sometimes someone will be in a position where, I understand where you think where a shot is a riskier option, but often we're in a situation where the shot is the easier option and the pass is a riskier mm. option and we go for the pass. Yeah. yeah, it's it's one of those ones where, and it's strange because you see a lot of the players almost want to take a shot and they're, they're changing, uh, like Mopai got a lot of shit for it because he was the one taking all the shots, but like it was bizarre because you'd see Trossard like look like he wants to level up for a shot and would then play a pass off that wasn't yeah. as effective, mm. and, and that's I can only—that's why I wonder whether it was coaching. Yeah, I can only like... imagine the—I uh, can only imagine the anger from Potter if he starts playing his Kiedo because he isn't going to listen. He's just going <laughs> to rattle <laughs> that ball in. <laughs> from everywhere. Stay out um, wide. Stay out wide, Jose. Stay on the left and don't cut he'll in. Still, no, he'll, he'll shoot. He'll shoot. From, he'll shoot and score from the touchline. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm not sure. I'm not, I wonder if that. Uh, in the same way, though, you've got a. Like for some players, it's really benefited, and one of those really is that one of the players that I thought really stood out as the season came to a close. Not that we knew it was closing, but was Bissouma. 
his yeah. the coaching that he has went under to not take as many to pop not shots. shoot from 80 yards away every time yeah like he is he has matured <laughs> incredibly over 12 months i yeah. thought that he I was agree. i mean i thought that him and proper were that was the future that midfield two for those last couple of games looked yeah. imperious against and any midfield. he would look really good at what wolves i thought was his best game for us which obviously was the yeah, last no, one before he was absolutely absolutely yeah. dominant he was man the match there and sheffield united i think he got booked early on and was still really good afterwards he didn't commit another yeah, foul he and was he... really mature i was yeah. worried in that game i thought he's either he's gonna because we know that he's got when the past he's shown a kind of slightly petulant mm. he's very young game. as well he is very young. i mean he's only 20 what 22 yeah yeah, he was he was booked in the tenth minute away at Sheffield United, and I I was just as worried. The game, yeah. was, he, I don't think he committed another foul after that, but he got started no, he and didn't. played really well. Yeah, there's a shot, there's sign of his maturity. And Josh, you've you mentioned Proper and Basuma there, and that's the biggest disappointment for us with COVID, wasn't it? That those two were coming into the equation, mm. they were coming into form, and Basuma as someone who hadn't made his mark yet, um, that was exciting. That was looking like being. A great thing. I had him was down. It the, was it the Bournemouth game where in the in the latter stage he did that amazing little scoop? Yeah, <laughs> over yeah, a player to start a counter yeah. attack. And I, I, I totally fancied him to score against a, a worldie against Arsenal. Actually, uh, Basuma, I really had a feeling. So not to be. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny, isn't course. it? Because the. Because we were all, you know, if you're on Twitter and social media now, all the fans are saying, look at your running, you're definitely down if you play. That's why you don't want to play. This and is our easiest running of the three years. It's tough, to, it's tough to make people understand that I was incredibly optimistic going into that Arsenal game. I thought that we had just about done everything possible to show that we were capable of turning stuff around. We, yeah. I mean, we had played nine games since the start of 2020 and the whole thing of we haven't won a game, fine. But we've only lost three of the nine. Mm. We had showed that kind of determination and grit that we showed under Chris Hutton, but with a much more likelihood of scoring goals. And Whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, Hang on, Josh. You, you were incredibly optimistic, did you say? <laughs> For the Arsenal game, yeah. <laughs> Is this the I, Josh I, I, that, <laughs> I mean, when you look at those next fair, three I'm, games, I'm with I'm with Josh. I was I was fully expecting us to I was fully expecting us to win that Arsenal game. I have to say, and that I the, think the, that at that you, point it could have changed everything because yeah. you've got Manchester United two weeks later at home as well. And I think and I, I'm not crazy to think that we could have took six points from those next two. Well, we did games. two years ago, didn't we? And we took yeah, four last season. Yeah. So. Yeah. And if you beat Arsenal, you've got the confidence then going yeah. into that game. But I think they also, yeah. what people miss is we struggle against teams who sit back, put people behind the ball, which is why we always struggle when we go one down as well. Arsenal and United will both have come out, even if they went one up, they'd have attacked us. And so yeah. we actually play better against that sort of team. Look at yeah. the teams who struggled against, Newcastle, Palace, teams like that who sit yeah. back. It's all about yeah. the them, and that's whatever. that's why that's why of the teams towards the top we always struggle well we struggled both times against Leicester and Sheffield United because mm-hmm. they played I mean Sheffield United just played classic Sheffield United football that they'd done in, in, in the championship and Leicester have made their entire living off of you know sitting back and using the pace to hit people yeah. on the counter attacks which I mean, is where both their the, goals came from against us it was the same yep. it was the same in that Norwich game I mean Norwich were defending so deep for that game they were basically sitting with their own fans weren't they yeah <laughs> the entire match. I mean, they were like genuinely. I've never seen a team put eleven players behind the ball, and basically they're all hardly anyone left their half. Yeah. yeah, and we struggled to break them down. That's the thing. Yeah. And in a way, that's that that shows you guys' point about you know, shooting from distance. Because if a team is sitting back, you know, men behind the ball, why not take a pot shot? If it's not going in, it might take a deflection. It might bounce well for you. But if you're and just you know, passing it exactly, into a lot of players, why do that? Ball back fairly soon yeah. because they're gonna clear. They're just gonna. 
try and yeah. get rid of it. If you get a little bit of space, a, take a shot. We had nine games left in the season, and we probably needed three wins to stay up. We needed that 38-point mark. And you've got Arsenal, uh, Arsenal at home, Manchester United at home, and Newcastle at home. All teams yeah. that we have impeccable records against at home. Yeah. And it looked like... I was wins in all of them. It, I mean, they were pretty much the only three games I had wins in, which was bizarre to think that we were going to go away at Norwich and I thought we probably weren't going to take anything from it, but then also beat Man United at Arsenal at home. But I felt like that's just the way we were going to do it. And to then have it all cancelled and now, you know, now right at home to Arsenal with no fans or not at home or whatever, it's a totally different kettle of fish. Mm. Yeah. Although I think it is a totally different kettle of fish anyway, because who knows right, what form true. players will come back in. And I mean, we might be in really good form after yeah. All yeah, of the break. Yeah. You don't know. That's the fact we're referencing form in eight weeks away. Everyone having had eight weeks away, we've got there's, there's no form mm. for this. So we've got, we've got no idea how players are going to feel, mm. perform. Mm. Well, yeah, looking, look, looking through December then, so we had obviously we had that 2 1 win away at Arsenal. We had the two all at home to Wolves. We had the disappointing one all at Palace. We then lost one nil at home to Sheffield United, which I think was about the right result. Um, yeah, we had two one defeat to Spurs, which for quite a while felt like we were going to get something there until Kane. Yeah, we went one nil up in that, didn't we as well? Yeah, and the ball just bounced for Kane, didn't he, to get the? I think it was the winner, wasn't it at the time? Yeah, it was. We didn't deserve that. No, I, I felt disappointed with that. I felt like we could have had a draw, but we did have yeah, a very good performance and win against Bournemouth on uh, the game in between Christmas and New Year, 28th, yeah. which was a decent win. Um, I mean, honestly, honestly, it, it, yeah, it could have been eight. Bournemouth were yeah. terrible. It, we could have scored eight. Like, they were that bad. Yeah, because Dan Byrne had one ruled out for VAR, didn't he? Yeah. Which was a pretty yep. harsh, which was another pretty harsh yeah. one. And yeah. Moyes got a really good goal, didn't he, as well? And what's pleasing yeah. about that game was also it's Bournemouth. It's bloody Bournemouth. We never get anything. We yeah. always get yeah. bad decisions. We get bad luck. We get bad everything. They okay. were in the midst of a dreadful Most, run, weren't they? Yeah, a lot of yeah. injuries as well, I think, they had at that point. Yeah, but they were, on a, they were on a dreadful run last season and they beat us quite substantially, didn't they? Um, so uh, no comment on that one. But um, I mean, anyway, fast in, forward a few weeks from this one. And they yeah. But you mentioned Jahambach got his goal and then, of course, scored an even better one against Chelsea the week after, yeah. um, which both goals were super. One all draw with Chelsea. Yeah, I thought we started off slowly there, but once, um, ironically, once Burn went off and Bernardo came on, I thought we were a better team for much of that game. We, were, we played yeah, really we well. And at the end, yeah. actually, it's only one winner and it was us. You know, if, if yeah, someone had won that I game, agree. we had all... Was it Malpay had won the save by the keeper and there was one yeah, of the chances. Yeah, it was another one that went either side of the keeper. It was yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We then had the FA Cup against, you know, who the, one of those teams with a superiority complex. Massive, the massive. Yeah, the massive, massive team from Sheffield. Um, Everton, we lost 1-0, disappointing. One all at home to Villa, another frustrating result. Yeah, really that was a frustrating were. one. So Domin- again, I dominant think that first half. Yeah, that was their only attack, I think, they'd had in, what, 78 yeah. minutes or something like that? And Grealish, of all people, scored. Yeah. Um, yeah. Up there with Zaha. Yeah. <laughs> And then, of course, um, we couldn't be happy for too long with our game against Bogey Team Bournemouth, could be because we soon had the return game. <laughs> that was, I mean, that was back. To, that was back to like the really bad days under Hugh and that. I think that was probably our worst performance of the season. That although even for them for twenty minutes we had a better team apparently because I wasn't there, but I heard we had a better team for twenty minutes yeah. and then fell apart once they scored, didn't they? Because they got two in. I think we were, yeah. uh, we were, yeah, for 20 minutes. We were just, so we were looking really good. Overall. Yeah, when, and then, yeah, when, we let that, when we let that goal in, that 
from then to you know when Wilson scored in the, what the thirtieth minute or whatever to the yeah. end, that's that's the worst Brighton performance I've seen of the season. We were just terrible. Yeah. Um, then, well, I did a, a, a match report special from West Ham, the first of two. <laughs> that was a very um, odd game. <laughs> it was yeah. Very I mean, odd game. It, the reports got gradually more uh, slurry as they went on through the evening um, after the match. It was a bizarre match. Uh, someone we know got sorted outside the ground, uh, yeah. which was a bit bizarre afterwards. But in terms of the game itself, you know, 3-1 back to 3 all Absolutely bonkers as a match. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was. I think, for me, I came away thinking that if that game had been last season, we wouldn't have got a point. Agreed, mm, yeah. 100%. On that the other hand, we should have won it, though, there. really, because, yeah, I mean... They were pretty dreadful, and we gave, we gifted them a two-goal lead. And again, uh, two like a, a deflect. There wasn't at least mm. one of their goals was a massive deflection, wasn't it? Both two of them. There were two actual own goals, weren't both they? Not just the both Oh yeah, but they weren't Yeah, they were both just going straight at Ryan, weren't they? that? Was it? Yeah. Yeah. And, obviously and their Glenn, first goal was a weird. Um, was it a free kick that shouldn't? I, I felt maybe shouldn't have been given or something or. Yeah, hmm. something like that. And then obviously we got back into it with a. It was a comedy own goal, wasn't it? From them right yeah. after half time. Fabian and then really weird. Yeah. That gross one was really weird. I didn't think it was going to go in. It literally just dribbled. Yeah. So I think I, I thought there's a, there's a foul in there somewhere, and everyone seemed to yeah. stop. Yeah. The they had about six chances in. to clear it, didn't they? They kept leaving it yeah. for each other, and in the end, tried to yeah, poke it back. Just to... sort of yeah. 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 And then obviously, we had to wait. We had to wait an age for the bar decision, but it was never a handball. I mean, that's no. He actually did everything to get his hands out of the way. He literally, was yeah, I mean, even I mean, West Ham fans were like in the crowd going, "Oh, you could see it was obviously a handball." It was like, wasn't it? Was like the first replay you watched, you went, "Well, that's hit his side slash yeah. you know his yeah. midriff." Yeah, but it's nowhere near his arm. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was it was funny because you had uh, on NBC. I remember you had one dude insisting it was a handball all the way through, and the other guy on there was like, "Can you not like this is the third slow motion replay we've looked at? Like, how how are you still thinking that's the case?" Where's and I think he was, yeah. I think he was just getting something through his mic saying like, "Argue for the controversy. You've got to keep arguing because yeah. <laughs> it was just so but clearly wrong." Another, I thought, why is this taking so long to decide? Because yeah. it's like even in even watching it in not in you know in real time as a replay. Yeah, well, it's not hit. Yeah. Even, even like as a neutral, you'd look at it and you go, it's just not hit his arm. But at the ground, I was convinced it was handball. No one celebrated with Murray. Murray was the only one who celebrated. So I just assumed that, you know, West Ham all put their hand up. So you think, oh, it must have been handball then. We'll wait for the VAR. And it's like, oh, shit, it's been... The longer it goes, you think, oh, maybe it's going to be a goal then. Maybe And I think Glenn score. was so convinced as well. Yeah. I and mean, obviously he mm. knew. He's like, knew it hadn't hit him on the arm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then we should have scored a winner. We had two or three really good chances to yeah. score a winner. Yeah. March had a free kick tipped over. Trossard had a really good chance, but he could have crossed and he hit into the side yeah. netting. And yeah. we should have I won mean, that, that game. That would have been amazing if we'd have won that game. But, but I mean, you said it was a great... It kept them in the bottom three, didn't it? Yeah. Because yeah. we were at the bottom three, I think, at half-time. Yeah. If they cancel, if we do end up going points per game, that could be the difference. <laughs> could be. And then West Ham always known about really their ground. It's not that could that could that would be the difference because that yeah. potentials, you know, the point swing from that game. Yeah, it could They'd be, be above us now, certainly. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah they always known about their ground. It is a football stadium, and I can understand all the complaints about it. But I quite enjoy going there. There's some really good pubs near the ground that we've gone to before and after games each season. I've been back to all lose. three all three games. Yeah. We've had goals. We've had a three nil win, was it? Um yeah. we've had a yeah, first two all a yeah. disappointing result, but two all and this this year again, yeah, three, three, three all. They've yeah. still not beaten us. They've not beaten us in the Premier League, have they? Mm. Yeah, yeah. 
And then, well, after that, though, we had one all with Watford, yet another frustrating draw at home. Very we'd had Burnley, we'd had West Ham, we'd had um, Newcastle, we'd had all these games where we frustratingly are drawn. And home to Watford was another one, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, however, away at and Sheffield... Watford, was that, they, we, that was a really bad own goal for them. Yeah, there was no one anywhere there. near, was there? And it yeah, was quite late did, as well. They'd outplayed yeah, us. Oh, I remember I went, this was one of the games I went down. I got so angry for their goal because we basically come and was it Decore that scored for them? Yeah, yeah. we basically yeah. shepherded him to the edge of the box. Yeah, we had like all of our defense run like they were literally boxing him in, making yeah. sure that no one yeah. could make a tackle, and we just sort of rolled out a red carpet for him to get to the edge of the box. Yeah, no one tackled scored. him, did they? No one tried no, to tackle from the halfway did, line to all, the edge of the area. It wasn't like he was on his own. There were players. Yeah. Let's say our players were like running alongside him. And it was like, yeah, it was almost like an American football that like they were blocking. It was like his, his own team were blocking. We just, I think, um, I mean, it was the, a good finish, but I think it was Decore never been a chance to do it. I think Decore had scored the own goal in the earlier game. He had, yeah. So yeah, he yeah, made up yeah. his own goal. However, Mariapa then weighed in with one of his own. So it's good to ex Palace player score an own goal. Yeah. yeah, there was no one behind him, was there? It was a cross. Yeah, it was just blasted across, yeah. and I don't think there was anyone there. It was, it was where he thought Murray may have gone to, so I can understand it. To be honest, yeah. I'd, I'd forgive him if I was a Watford fan because I, I could see what he was thinking. It's a great Although, again, that own that. goal could yet be the one that relegates them again. It was a and very was, similar own goal to the one that uh, Luca Dina scored. For, yeah, uh, yeah, it was kind of stretching, he was, wasn't it? Ex- except that Murray or Mopai, whoever it was, was right was behind right him. There, so yeah, <laughs> he had no choice. But Yeah. But that was um, that was a key key moment, I think. And again, it was Jahanbach with the cross, wasn't it? Another yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, he made a real difference when he came on in that game. Yeah, I mean, three games he's he's had a significant impact in, which is good yeah. to see after all the frustrations he's had. And um, we'll maybe talk about him in a moment in, in the last section. But uh, anyway, just to round off, we then had a really good, well worked one all draw away at Sheffield United, which preserved our record of never having had anyone do the double over us this season. Not that we've managed to inflict that on anyone else either. Um, and then we had the disappointment of the game where we lost one at home to somebody whose name escapes me. And Again, though, we did everything but bloody score. I mean, how on yeah. earth did yep. that dunk header not go in? Malpe mm. drop blocks it from an offside position oh. on the line. Just like... <laughs> yeah, it felt like the gods were against us on that day. Yeah, they were. I mean, to be, to be fair, I think in the seat, like the... The three-one win at the Amex season before everything went our way. Obviously, despite True. the red card, we'd had a fair chunk of luck. Iskander got a penalty that really wasn't a penalty. Um, yeah. So I think it, and we've, you know, we've had we had a decent recent run against them. So I was kind of, I was expecting it to end at some point. And it was another classic of those ones where you go, well, if it's nil nil after an hour, then you know we're probably going to get turned over. Yeah. It's standard Albion. That, you know, like the playoff that game that felt very like that if it carried the longer it carried on nil nil exactly. the more they were going to win it I, that was what we said I've always said that about the play we said before the game you know, if it's nil nil after an hour it's just hmm. it's what Albion does yeah and to me because of the hurt of that match I keep thinking that was the last game we played of course it wasn't because <laughs> we did have one, one game in March on the 7th before the Arsenal home game was postponed and that game was Wolves away again it was a pretty mundane match to watch uh, for anyone McAllister looked good for his cameo. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And we looked we looked more like scoring than we did against Sheffield United. I thought we looked yeah. more more of an attacking threat, which is ironic because we scored against Sheffield and we didn't score against Wolves. But we I thought we more, looked we were a bit more solid in general in that Wolves game. 
Yeah, yeah I thought so. I say Basuma, it made a big difference having Basuma to sort of provide that energy in midfield. But yeah, I think yeah. in general we were just a, a bit better. Well, Wolves were poor, I thought, as well. They didn't really, considering the attacking options they have, they I didn't really... they played a ton in. of games, haven't they? Yeah. So they probably we, also, like we also tend to make Wolves look poor. Like, yeah. I feel like we, we are a bit of a bogey team for Wolves as well. I think yeah. we tend oh, yeah, to no, make without, them look without, bad. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, I think they've only beaten us like five times in the I mean, in it, history of games. Wasn't it last, last season we got four points off them and we had one mm. shot on target? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think like they're... 30, they had like yeah. 35 shots. To well, that, that home game against points. them was ridiculous last season because I think Ryan had about his best game. I know about three or four times I'd just given up on it. And he, yeah, you know, he and looked that was, like he... That was, the one, was that the one Murray got his 100th goal, didn't he? Yeah. In that game? Yeah. We won like three one nils in a row. Finish, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. That was in the 1-0, the West Ham New all of All of which we could easily one, have not yeah. won. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anyway. So that, that left us set out the relegation zone. We haven't been in there all season. Um, despite the fact that Leeds and Liverpool fans think we would definitely be going down if uh, the season was to continue. We don't know if it will or not at this stage, but as it currently stands on this, what would have been last day of the season, what's your take on the season overall? What, what are the good and bad things? What's your verdict on Potter? Um, um, John, maybe, or, or Robin? Robin I, was say, um, I think you, you, obviously, you all know that I was fairly keen on getting rid of Chris Hutton well before the curve. Um, yeah. So I think it was the right. I still think it was the right decision to go for something else. And I've got I've got kind of a nuanced view on this, which is I think it was the right decision to go for someone else. But I part of me feels that Potter would have been perhaps the right manager one down the line. And by that I mean. He's obviously tried. We've changed totally. You flip the style on the head, you know, in, over the space of a preseason. So when you take that into account, we've actually done pretty well considering we've had quite a high turnover of personnel. We've changed the style. We've not been in the bottom three. We've had some very good performances, games that we wouldn't have got points in last season. But obviously, you know, we've seen the same frustrations come through. But I say part of me thinks, have we tried to change too much too quickly? And did you would would you want to have graduated towards it by maybe going fine? Okay, Chris Hutton had his style. We want to go back to something a bit more balanced, and then perhaps you try and push the philosophy on further down the line. So I mean, I think overall it's been a positive appointment. I mean, you can't yeah. not think that because we've we've not really gone backwards because we're not in the bottom three. The football in general has been undeniably better. We've got some wins and some draws that we definitely wouldn't have got last season. And, you know, you can't... Obviously, we've seen some of the same problems that we had with Hutton. You've seen some of the ones that he managed to fix, particularly in defence, and maybe regress slightly. But, I mean, yeah, my, my main conclusion is it's, it's he's done very well to change the style to the extent that he has done. And I think you can't expect it to suddenly go swimmingly overnight. But, yeah, I do feel that we are probably a striker away from being a top 10 top 12 club really yeah uh josh what do you think yeah i'm definitely still on the potter bandwagon um i like the appointment in the first place uh i think it's a good move i think that i have a different opinion on the recruitment structure uh i think we need to work on what who the hell is in charge and who is doing what um but i think on the pitch i think we've done enough to definitely keep uh keep him on 
Um, I mean, he's already got a hell of a contract anyway, right? So I don't think there was ever mm. real discussion of getting rid. Um, yeah, I think he's developed a lot of players. Yahambak, Spazuma, Propa. Um, I think there's been a lot of players that have benefited massively um, under his tutelage. And I think there's a couple that have lost out. Shane Duffy um, probably being the biggest one of them. But when you look back over the season, I think I can only see three games where they showed any kind of tactical naivety. And that was the the Chelsea game, the Leicester game that were almost back to back, I think. Um, and then the, uh, the, the most recent defeat against Bournemouth where we just didn't do enough to turn it around. And when you think that we've played like what, 29 games and you can only pick three of them out where you can go, mess that up. Whereas I felt like last season there was, you know, 20 of the 38, we walked away and thought if only Hutton had done something different. Um, mm. I think it's a, I definitely think it's a, a step in the right direction. And yeah. I think that the only worrying thing I think for me is that it's highlighted just how weak our squad is in some aspects. Yeah. Um, yeah. And for so, that yeah. reason, mm-hmm. I was hoping for a very thorough summer clear out. And with what's going on now, who knows whether we're going to be able to yeah, do that yeah. and what's going to look like. That's um, a good point because I, I think it was very much status quo in terms of our standings and our position in the league, but with better quality football, wasn't it? It was the general thrust. Mm-hmm. So I'd take that as long as we could get over the line and survive. As you've said, that's an interesting point about the transfers now and what's going to happen with that. Um, but Peter, what, what's your take on season and Potter? I think overall he's done yeah pretty well. I've, I've no, I agree with Josh. I think he's not had many games where you've gone away and said, "What the hell's he done here?" You know, he selected the wrong team, whatever. But it's it's overriding. There is frustration because I think what I've been said is right. We, we certainly shouldn't be down there where we are, given the way we've played over the season. We should be higher up, but it is that one or one player, arguably, who's. Yeah. The difference and yeah, and I mean ultimately that we're talking strikers mainly, aren't we? I think one of the pluses yeah, I, I think would... it's the recruitment, isn't it? I mean, Josh, yeah, recruitment is we got Josh rid of Andone and Lucardia, yeah. and yeah. I think everyone yeah. was comfortable with that on the basis that they that we would sign at least one striker in January. Yeah, yeah. But if I think too, and also just to window and you haven't. just just to turn that around, I don't think Mopé's been a bad signing. It doesn't mean I don't no. think any of us saying that, are we? No, he just needs support up there. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. done pretty well for a first season up. Yeah, we, we just done, needed one of the other two well. to do yeah. well. Morpay scored eight goals and got two assists, and he's top scorer yeah. by five, which says a lot about what the rest of Own goals is like our second leading scorer or something, isn't it? Or? Yeah, I mean, Webster must be the second, yeah. isn't he? Webster's got four or five. Four, yeah, Webster, um, Trossard and, and Connolly have all got three. Although what about, what about own goals? Hasn't own goals like second top scorer? Um, own goals has got three. He's been very good for us. He's my man of the season so far. What for the like our fourth leading scorer or something on their own? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is funny yeah, because I mean, I we had the exact so. opposite problem last year. We weren't, yeah. we weren't getting enough goals from anybody but Glenn Murray, and now yeah. we're getting them from everybody. Yeah, yeah, it's um, odd, isn't it? So what yeah, was... I mean, I think that that recruitment that to me is the glaring that is the glaring issue. Yeah, I was going to say, what, what else do we right. need? Do we need a midfielder too, central mid? Yeah, well, I say, I would have said that before before the last few games, but Basuma's Basuma's coming and done really well. If we can mm. keep that up, we've got we've got Moy, proper Basuma, Stevens as as the four options. Al Sarte, if they can get fit and fit Zarte as well, as well, can play yeah. there as well. So I wouldn't. I mean, say, I know he plays all over, but that is position. Yeah, and looking through the. Squad in, in general, just to do a quick analysis. So goalkeepers, I mean, obviously Button and Steele are just, you know, they're, they're solid enough as backup. We haven't really had to see much of them, and I'm sure they Although one probably will be going for the sound of it, because it sounds like Wilson will be in the squad. Yeah. 
But in terms of Ryan, how we how do we think um, he's done? Uh, still progressing, still a good first choice, or do you think it's something we need to be looking at in the medium term? I think given the resources at the club and where we are at the moment, Ryan is a more than adequate keeper for the position we're in. I don't see, I know he's not the biggest, but he's a brilliant shot stopper. He's decent with his feet. I don't know how much money. We have to spend an awful lot of money, I think, to get better than, than yeah, Matt Ryan. Yeah, no way. He is, uh, we're more likely he's to lose into a bigger club than we are to, you know, yeah. look to replace him. We we have no reason to get rid He gets a lot sick on places like North Stand Chat as well. It's like kind of continually people saying, well, he should have done better here and done better here. And it's like, well, I don't think he's made many mistakes at all since those first few no, games. he's made some great. So, I mean, as a goalkeeper, it's very easy to point to goals that you concede and go, you should have done better. But I mean, that's the nature of being a goalkeeper, isn't it? You're mm. going to concede more goals than you, than you say. But it's the moments that you, it's the moments in the games that you make those big saves that make a difference. And he yep. often steps up in those big moments. I mean, I think yeah. the, the the game that really springs was that away game at Stoke in the first season, wasn't it? When he saved the penalty right at the mm. end, you go, that is a, that was a turning point in the season. Stoke ended up going down. We mm. ended up staying up. That's, I mean, they've got those. There's been several of those standout moments where you go in the real, really crunch moments. That Everton game in the first save. season when they'd equalised yeah. late on and they he made exactly. a brilliant double save in the last minute, which would have lost us the game from mm. one up at yeah. injury time. But that's what I mean. I think people, it's very easy. I think basically every goal that a goalkeeper concedes, there'll be some fan that will go, you should have done this or you should have done that. Yeah. So I think you really only have to judge it on, mm. say, what, what are the big moments where you really mm. needed a goalkeeper yeah. to his stuff and, and on how many actual mistakes has he made since those first two or three games when he obviously was a bit nervous or made errors but very since very that, few really. i can't think of hardly any yeah no howlers yeah. i mean like you said yeah. you'd have the odd goal where you've gone oh maybe he should have you know should have done better but mm. say yeah, that, i mean that's what fans say that about everything overall yeah. he's been pretty good hasn't he i mean defense i mean just to pretty good my summary on defense i think centre-backs obviously we've had the big partnership split up to some degree webster's come in high price Still, I think you're pending in most people's eyes. I think he's still got defend. potential. He cannot but defend. You, that's a big yeah, issue. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a big issue. I think for me, possibly Duffy might move on. Who knows? I don't know yet. Um, but uh, certainly Dunk would still form part of the future. Webster still potentially. But White comes in for me, I think, um, in centre. Um, you, you mean he's not going to go to Leeds? I mean, well, you see, Leeds have signed him already, haven't they, according to their, their own side. That's what I've heard as well, well, yeah. <laughs> But I, I think he's a fantastic player. Really, I think he's, I think he's as good as Dunk already, barring a bit of experience and a couple of. I have, to, I have to say, I haven't actually seen him play that much. He's he's possibly even better on the ball. I would say he's more. He's even more composed. He doesn't seem to need to go to ground as much as Dunk. Um, do we have to wait for him to actually? do it in the Premier League before we that's get the thing. Yeah. Well, I was going to say Webster was notionally the best defender in the Championship last season yeah um, one thing that's that's the kind of that's the one thing that I've been sort of thinking about when I see all this debate over the tug of war over where he's going to go which is that he's not actually played a minute in the Premier League yeah I suppose I mean, the view I'm from the bigger clubs be... is gamble now if he has a good season Premier League he'll be worth 50, 60 million yeah, exactly. if you gamble now and pay 15, 20 or whatever for a player that's never played for us or twice played twice then they reckon yeah. they can get him on the cheap then it, you know if he fails well it's nothing to the big clubs and if exactly. it's exactly it's a drop in the ocean yeah yeah Josh I'm, your... not, I'm not pouring cold water on him but I just think a lot of yeah. the, there's got to be, yeah. he's got to actually prove that he can do it in the Premier League yeah. yeah Josh what's your take on that and also fullbacks what do you think of that 
Yeah, I think that Ben White, I think he absolutely will be playing a big role next year, despite what Leeds fans think. Um, well, as long as we stay up. I think that if mm. we stay up, then he will. I honestly think that if we go down, I think we'll sell him to someone that's a lot bigger than Leeds. I think that he will probably end up going to Arsenal, someone like that. Um, Is and- there anyone bigger than Leeds? That's the best part about it is that I think that either which way there is no storyline that ends with Ben White at Leeds for 2021, and that makes me so happy. Um, I think that I think that on on my shopping list, I think I've got uh, a backup midfielder, um, a backup kind of central midfielder, a fullback, a striker, and a winger. And I've got names uh, for all of them, but fullbacks. I don't really I don't really know what kind of fullback we'd be looking at getting, and whether Lamptey could could do the job that we're thinking he might be able to do. Um, but I think fullback is an absolute must. I mean, Shalotto's at a contract. I don't see him getting a new one. I don't um, see him getting a new one. And, you know, I think Bernardo's excellent. I think Bernard's done an astounding job mm. at left, left back, left wing back for the bloke he is. Six foot seven dude that can, you know, make up, make up speed by sheer length. Is, well, he, uh, is outrageous. He was brought in as a backup centre-half, wasn't he? And he suddenly yeah. became a permanent first-choice left-back. Yeah, he's I think definitely, he's, For me, he's on the shortlist for player of the season, yeah. bizarrely. Yeah. yeah, I think that right-back is what we need. And I think mm. in this case, is it going to be Lamptey or not? I think if it is Lamptey, then we don't need to worry about signing a new one. I think he's he's another one. I mean, the only time I've seen him play was when he, was when he came on for Chelsea against Arsenal. He changed Same. the game. That's all I saw too, and he was very impressive. So he has actually done... I mean, I've seen him... We've, he's actually done it, albeit fleetingly, at the top level. So mm. I'm a bit more confident that he will be the closer well, to the real well, deal. Talk about fullbacks. Montoya's a big enigma for me, because I actually don't think he's had a bad season, but he gets so regularly replaced during the game. I mean, he must have been like, subbed like five or six times. Yeah. There was certain games where there was certain games where Montoya was both our entire defensive outlet and our entire attacking outlet. Yeah. There was t- yeah. there was times when he would be at right back, play a pass to the midfield, and he would be taking the final strike in the centre forward position. He was know, it was bizarre. bizarre. Like it I was like wild. I like so him. Do I, yeah, but I don't think Potter does based on the number of times he's t- he subbed him no, and played Alzate there instead. And you know, it's yeah. it's weird. He likes him against Palace, though. He seems to think he does well there, and he does generally. But uh, yeah. I think he's quite, un, he's, he's quite unflappable, isn't he? Really, he just seems to get like he yeah. generally just gets the he plays the same regardless of the opposition. Mm. Seemingly, he doesn't mm. seem to get overawed, especially. I guess having played a hundred odd games for Barcelona, then that's kind of ingrained in you, isn't it? That you're just going to go out True. and play yeah. play your game. Yeah. Um, yeah. What about the midfield then? So we're, we're saying we probably need some backup. Definitely, I think central mid. Uh, we need somebody there, and I think maybe another. We need someone that can score. We need a goal scoring mm. central. What do, what do we reckon yeah. about Malumbi? Will he go up alone somewhere else, or will he? Oh, he's give the it other one. I mean, he's getting obviously rave reviews. Mm. Good Millwall. player. I personally think player. he's got another year somewhere else. Yeah, I think another great. year in the championship, mm. probably. I mean, I would but, say just give him another year at Millwall if they want to keep him. I mean, they love him. They're playing him non-stop. He's playing brilliantly. Sport, well, Millwall I mean, going down. To spoil things slightly, it kind of depends what division we're in. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Yes, he exactly. probably comes straight in if we go down, doesn't he? he kind yeah, of, exactly. Yeah. That's what I mean. He would be, he'd come straight in. I think yeah. that from what we've seen, I'm, I'm very confident in proper Bissouma players like that in carrying that midfield as a defensive group. Um, I think if we wanted to bring in a backup defensive midfielder, I've got uh, out of contract Ashley Westwood on my shortlist. I think that as a 30-year-old midfielder with a shit ton of games under his belt in the Premier League, I think he would be 
a, probably a cheap alternative. And I, I really do think that McAllister will be that extra attacking midfielder that we need. Mm. I, do, I, yeah, I yeah. think that he's going to be enough. And then massively controversial opinion. Uh, I think we need a winger. And I think Anthony Knockart is the winger. I think we desperately Agreed. need to bring him back and keep and Agreed. actually give him a go. Are we able to, though? I thought it was already agreed, wasn't it? Or is it still... No, well, it's Fulham, there is an option for Fulham not to not to take it up. He's not done brilliantly at Fulham, has he? He's, certainly no. the game I saw on TV about a few months before, a month or two before lockdown no. in, started, That's he was the one who got taken off when then 1-0 down. I think they then improved a lot and equalised. Yeah, he scored, he scored a couple of standard knockout absolute yeah. goals. But the criticism's uh, been that he, he, he's a player that can flourish in the Championship by and large blowing hot and cold a little bit. Mm. But in the Premier League, he t- seems to come unstuck more often. But uh, to be I coming thought, up a bit more in the his, Champions he, he had his red card last year, didn't he? But I mean, I think, mm. to be honest, I think he's a much better option than Solly March. Mm. Yeah, Solly March has definitely gone backwards, I think. he's the, mm. yeah. I, I actually thought he started the season really well, looked full of confidence, and then he got injured. And since then, he's looked Standard, really low on confidence. It yeah. was it was funny because I thought that I mean he was almost an out and out left wing back at that point and I thought he was doing a better job at that job than David Brooks who was supposed to be the next big thing I thought he yeah. was actually quite comfortably yeah. outperforming him in that left wing back role he got hurt and has came back and has barely played a game at left wing back since mm. so well Burn came in I suppose then didn't he and yeah and, and, and Bernardo, Bernardo, back to Bernardo got back to fitness yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so strikers does anybody think we need a new striker. Hopefully the club do. I think, <laughs> I think Connor. I think Connolly. I think Connolly needs a year out on loan somewhere. Yeah, agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, he needs yeah, to be I'm, in the championship. Well, again, it depends on what division we're in. If we stay up, yeah. he needs a year in the championship for me. We hundred percent. We need a new one, don't we? And uh, to come in ready-made, and who that is, and who we can get, and the whole matter, yeah. matter about finances. Well, I suppose yeah, the alternative might be is that we can get someone quite cheap because of someone, you know, without want to like, be yeah. a vulture, another club's in a bit of need or whatever, or needs to sell a couple yeah. of players, and you never know. Yeah, yeah I mean, there's certainly yeah. an option. I see the but guy we were linked with a deadline was, is now interested in Chelsea and Tottenham, Gar- Garassi, or... Whereas yeah, there seems to be rumours of him. more goals since the deadline as well. Yeah, yeah. and Amiens yeah. has gone down as a result of the French league ending, so he's so he'll be, up he'll for be sale. available on the yeah. on the team, yeah. as it were. Well, I but think the, I don't know an Albion fan that doesn't think we need a striker, so I think it's pretty comprehensive. I, mean. I think um, we need two, to be honest. Two, two is, the, is the only question. Do we need two? And I think maybe we do. Yeah. Well, I still think I'm the highlight of our season is the fact that we had. Sorry, go on, please. I was going to say, I saw that the highlight of our season is going spending deadline day, going back and forth, trying to sign our own player from another club. I still think that's, you couldn't make it up, could you really? It's kind of that's so Albion. <laughs> I mean, I think it, it depends what happens with Andone, to be honest, yeah. whether he can be reintegrated back in. Because I think you could end up with a scenario where he, he potentially replaces Connolly and then you go for one other. But I mean, it depends what happens with Glenn as well. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I know he's he's had a bit of a renaissance over the last few few months, but he's got another know. year, isn't he? He's got another yeah. year, yeah. Hmm. Well, I mean, he only um, had one. He had one really good game at West Ham when he came in, but after that, he had not really set the world on fire. He's done okay, no. but you wouldn't say he's been the answer to our problems in any way. So yeah, I think no, we no. need two, really. Hmm. Yeah, and then uh, just to round off on the summary and the chat about the season, um, in terms of disappointments, pluses and minuses, really. Um, what what do you guys think? I mean, Josh, first, what what do you think of the um, surprises, the disappointments from this season? 
I think the disappointment has to be that we've not finished games when we've had ample opportunity to. I think that's, I'm kind of speaking on behalf of every single Albion fan out there, I think. Absolutely, Um, Like the amount of times we've just said in the last hour, oh, we we should have won that. You know, like it's stupid. Um, But I think the successes has been some of the players that have come through and have flourished under Potter that ultimately would never have had a chance under under Hewton. I think that Aaron Connolly getting the game time he had. uh, I think that Dan Byrne becoming what? on earth Dan Byrne has become. Um, Bissouma <laughs> looking like the midfielder we wanted to sign a couple of years ago. Um, I think that we've shown a lot of a lot of promise and I think that we're playing a lot better football than I think we almost had any right to in the Premier League, especially when you look back at that Man City match, even though we got tanked 4-0. Like, I, like Robin said, like Pep came away from that having to ask questions of his own team because he realised yeah. that you know, if somebody like Borussia Dortmund turned up and put the game game plan that we had in place, they were going to be in big, big trouble. Um, yeah. And I think that, that can only be a good thing. Absolutely. And Robin, what do you think? Uh, would you concur with that? Any other thoughts? Yeah, I would concur with that. My The biggest disappointment is what he's done to centre of defence for me. Mm. Because I can understand he's, he's made the decision that... that Webster is obviously the, is a better ball-playing centre-back and he's in Duffy. But I think the issue is, is that we're not good enough to necessarily play like that. And I think you've got to, when you're in a position where ultimately our, our ambition is still survival, and I think that starts from not conceding goals. And I think it, it, would, it would be a philosophy that would work if we had a very, very potent attacking force where we think, fine, if we ship a goal at the other end, we're very confident that we can go up the other end and score two. But we're not in that. So I'm, I'm on board with most of the changes that he's made. I think, A, spending that amount of money on a centre-back was frankly bizarre, yep. given the fact we don't have the biggest budget in the world and 20-odd million mm. quid on top of what we had, probably could have got us a top quality or a, a decent striker. Joe Linton. And two, well, yeah, <laughs> touche. Um, but I think we have to concentrate primarily on actually having defenders that can defend. And I've not seen anything to suggest that Adam Webster can defend. Hmm. Yeah, he's, he's got his thoughts for sure. And, and Peter... Any further thoughts? Um, I'd say biggest plus is Alzate. I think he was came from nowhere, really. I mean, he was on loan at Orient. Was it a Swindon last season in League yeah. Two? Didn't really. Yeah. did okay. But, you know, you weren't thinking he was one of the ones who would make the step up next. Um, yeah. And as I thought for six months of the season, was arguably our best player, if anything. He looked yeah. so calm under pressure. He was moved around position-wise. He played left wing back, yeah. right wing back, centre midfield, attacking and midfield, looks, and, and looked brilliant in all of them. And he's, 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 he's not been so good the last month or two when playing because I think he sounded like he had an injury. But up to that point, he was superb and he looked so yeah. calm under pressure. My one disappointment is Bernardo, I think. I really thought he'd break through under Potter. But actually, other than the spell when Byrne was out of the team due to injuries mm. and then being dropped for Byrne, I thought a little bit harsh that he's not got the games yeah. I was hoping. I was, yeah. So, yeah, so that would be mine. What about you, Russ? Yeah, well, I'd agree with everything you guys have said. Um, the only things I'd add is it was good to see a little um, spark of hope that we can see the proper Jahan match because I'm just in the middle of the season, um, just around the turn of the year, we've had we've we've seen sparks of something which is really encouraging. I'm willing the guy to do well. I'm so pleased mm. he at least had some success, albeit a small amount. 
Um, similar on a small, smaller scale, seeing someone like Conley come through the ranks. I know he hasn't been with us forever, but he's come through the youth ranks, showing there's the possibilities there. But I think Alzate, for me as well, is, is the big thing. I think he's got such a rounded game. He's got a really good head on shoulders. Yeah, he's going up at a big club, he's I think, got, in the end. I, I reckon. Yeah, he's got. He's just got, at the moment. He's got just the right level of balance yeah. between arrogance and yeah. being yeah. That, that, that winner against Everton, where he basically in his own half flicks to whoever it was to pass on to yeah. Burn and then to think it was like ridiculous. And, but there's been a couple of there's been a couple of occasions where he's where he's been either he's come on to play at wing back or he's found himself defending in that area where. He's tried ways, successfully got himself out of trouble mm-hmm. there. And then it's the kind of thing where you go, if he did that and got it wrong, he would have been absolutely slaughtered. Yeah. But he yeah. had the confidence and slight arrogance to know that he was going to pull it off. Yeah. And I, I really want to see him get a run in midfield. I'd like to see a, a trio well, in midfield yeah. of Alzate, yeah. Proper, Bissouma. That would exactly. be it with a. That would be a really good, interesting trio. I think all clubs, especially clubs at our level, do need that player who can be very flexible as well. And Locked in everywhere. I think yeah. he's so handy to have someone like that. It's just Agreed. a bonus to come out of nowhere, effectively. I some, think, I think, some might say he is a, he is a young Romain Vincelot. Vincelot. Well, <laughs> 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 oh, those are heavy boots to fill. The other, the other <laughs> slight disappointment, I'd say, for the last month and a half, two months, is what happened to Aaron Moy after he signed permanently. I mean, he was yeah. brilliant for three, four months mm. after a slow start. And then since signing permanently, he's not done an awful lot. Yeah, no, night and day. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. I don't know if the season's going to carry on or not. We still wait to find out. No we? one does, <laughs> I think, is the answer if, to if that. It, if it does, do you think we're going to survive? I think just, yes. Uh, no. Oh, Josh? Uh, I think behind closed doors, no. And Peter? I'm... Literally fifty-fifty. I, 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 I think, the, think the we'll struggle is, at home. I agree to teams when we're not yeah. playing a proper home game, and whether I we'll pick up the points. Be. We've got no yeah. virtually seven wins in three, almost three seasons away from home, and every game being yeah. away from home. Effectively, I think probably they're yeah. right. I think probably we won't. Sadly, yeah. it go down. It's going to be tough. Tough if it does go ahead, isn't it? Yeah. But I think, but I, think honest, it, I think it won't end there because I, I'm hundred percent sure that whichever three go down as a result of behind closed doors we'll be having a legal challenge in on that Monday morning. Yeah. And whatever happens now, I'm confident Potter will stay on for the rest of forever, for not forever, but for next season forever. now. Because, <laughs> yeah, forever. Yeah. He's never allowed to leave for next season. Because I mean, if, if we had a terrible end of the season and we got relegated, there's been pushed probably for him to go. But actually, with that situation, no one's going to sack him now. So, so you, you reckon he's going to get a Newcastle Alan Pardew? Yeah. He's going to get an unlimited contract. Yeah. <laughs> an eight-year eight rolling, yeah. eight rolling contract. He's, he's not far off that. I mean, he's got a six-year deal. So. Yeah, true. Um, well, that pretty much rounds it up, doesn't it, for, um, for this special episode. One thing I wanted to say before we finish was um, a good friend of ours, Brett Mendoza, who runs the Caxton Arms and has done for uh, recent years, um, is struggling, as we all are, with the uh, virus situation causing an effect on his business. Um, he's been doing a crowdfunding thing I think he's pretty much raised the money, but it's, I just wanted to flag it up in case anybody wanted to help out. It's a great pub. He's really done some good stuff with it, and, and he sorted food out as well, which is really good. Um, he's struggling, and he's looking for help, and he said he's got a Facebook page um, set up, and I think also a website. So with the website, it's www.crowdfunder.co.uk forward slash Caxton Arms, which is C-A-X-T-O-N. 
taxonomes. If anybody did want to help out with that, a really nice. Yeah, he's, he is right. He's well over his target, but I mean, I think there's still he's going to need. He set a fairly modest target, I think. And if this goes on yeah. for you know a number of months, and what I would add is, if you are going to make a donation, there are you don't. It's not just a donation. There are various options that you get. So depending on how much money you get, you give. There are kind of benefits that come with it. So anyone that gives any amount at all, um, he's going to have a, a kind of, a, I guess, a board by the bar with everyone's name on there who's given something. And I think it goes up to um, if you give a hundred pounds or more, then you get a kind of, you get a like a, a private dinner or something laid on at the Caxton. So as well, yeah, check I think out, that you know, anybody familiar with Patreon is it's exactly the same. It's yeah, just Patreon is tears of yeah tears of um, yeah. of reward. I say, and I know it's a very difficult time for a lot of people financially, and a lot of people won't be able to to give anything. But say, from from personal experience, it's a great it's a great mm. pub. He's a great guy. He's given. I think he's you know it's an, it's obviously been an ambition of his to have a pub for a long time, and he's yeah. doing a great job with it. So I yeah. think it would be a shame that it, yeah. it would be one of the casualties of this. So yeah, and he's very active with there. Remf as well. He does a lot of that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, exactly. He's so the he's, vice chairman yeah. of um, yeah. of Oregon. And obviously, so, yeah. goes He's a massive Albion fan as well. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, so if anyone's got you know anything anything spare, yeah. then I'd say I know there's a lot of a lot of causes that people probably want to give to. But if that's a specific kind of Albion, an yeah. Albion uh, related yeah, one, it would be good. He said to me the the urgent the, the initial target was for the urgent um, bills to pay, but there's going to be ongoing costs. So that's mm. why he's still welcoming any uh, crowdfunding donations. Um, we're also hoping. Well, he said he would come on the show, so we're hoping to get him on quite soon as well, so he can chat about it directly hopefully in one of the forthcoming weeks but anyway that pretty much rounds it up i think unless anyone's got anything else to say so uh, thank you very much to peter to robin yeah. to josh for joining Thanks us so much. Uh, here and yeah, uh, we'll be back next time cheers guys cheers, cheers. thanks bye